0: afternoon, good evening, happy Valentine's Day. Hello everybody and welcome into Hoopsville on this Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2020. I'm your host Dave McHugh, welcome into our regularly scheduled programming as we're back to our normal time here at 7 p.m. Eastern. Hope you are enjoying the basketball season because it has been a doozy. Lots to talk about, lots of guests to get to tonight. Lots to get to in general, so we're not going to waste much time. want to thank our partners, always at d3hoops.com. Of course, Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, Ryan Scott, and all the, all the staff who are working so hard. I also want to thank um, those we brought on board to help us, especially in this stretch run. Uh, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, National Association of, or not presenting sponsor, but the Hoopsville Studios. Sponsor, uh, National Association of Basketball Coaches. Also, thanks to the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and Blue Frame Technology for their support throughout the years on this program and especially this season. Uh, I want to thank all those who may be joining us in the near future. Uh, We should be on the air for the next foreseeable future in the evenings. We don't see any plans as of now to move to afternoons again, but We'll have to if we need to, but um hope you uh, are enjoying the show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, let's see here. What else have we got? Um, I, I'm forgetting something, right? Oh, Instagram, at D3 Hoopsville, though. Admittedly, we've been a little bit silent there. I apologize. It has taken a bit of a backseat as we try and re... Uh, tinker a little bit with how we do things on the show uh, in terms of production and promotion. Uh, also want to thank, um, or I should mention, you can always email us, d 3 All right, uh, let's get to our guests real quick. We'll get them out of the way first and foremost, obviously, and then try and get you uh, to the rest of our programming because there's a lot to talk about. Picked a heck of a day to take a day off on Thursday, obviously, uh, but we'll get to it in a moment because um, there's a lot, <laughs> trust me, there's a lot to try and break down, but on the on the show tonight, uh, in alphabetical order, not in necessarily uh, broadcast order, we'll hear from Fontbonne, men's basketball. Their head coach will join us to talk about the program that is breaking out. Certainly impressive, to say the least, with what Fontbonne's doing. Actually, you know what? We'll do this in in, in the way they'll they'll appear. I apologize. Going to change it up on you. Um, so let's try this again. Um, coming up first, we'll start with Rhode Island women's basketball. Uh, Jenna Cosgrove will join us to talk about the team that is. Uh, humming right along in the little east conference and the regions one and two we'll talk to her about that number two marietta joins us men's basketball coach john vanderwall will talk about his squad and the oac that they are dominating at this point in time we'll talk to font as we mentioned their head coach lance thornhill will be on the show talk about his team in the Sliac. they're breaking out it's pretty impressive to say the least what font is doing this season if you haven't been paying attention we'll head down south talk to uh um, head down to Laterno men's basketball james wallace he'll talk to us about the uh, asc race uh, and other things going on mary Harden baylor actually playing tonight so we'll keep an eye on that game as well as talking to the yellow jackets and then we'll head up north to wisconsin talk to a team maybe many aren't talking enough about the wisconsin whitewater women's team is 22 and 2 and dominating the Wyack race we'll talk to carrie carollo about that and much more and then we'll head to New York. Vassar women's basketball coach Anthony Mason joins us, first-year head coach, along with James Wallace. Not James Wallace, I apologize. Uh, along with, yeah, James James Wallace at L E T B L E T U. I was I was right there. Mason will join us about Vassar women who are having a tremendous season in the Little Le- uh, Liberty, Liberty League, easy for me to say. And we'll talk to him about all of that uh, and how he got the job from California. And then we have a supersized top 25 on his supersized show that will go three hours tonight. We'll hear from Bob Quillman, Mike Rainiac. we hope, Plus newcomers, uh, Ryan Winnable and uh, Poppers. We just know him as Poppers. Uh, they'll be joining us on the show here coming up to talk about the Top 25, which is out and rolling along. Akiva, Poppers, just in case anybody didn't catch that. Uh, we'll talk about the Top 25 that is out and whatnot. And obviously a lot to, to cover. So let's get down to some of the, the headlines before our first segment. First and foremost, uh, we've been hinting at this. Uh, and it finally came to fruition on uh, something we've been knowing for quite some time, but we finally reported Landmark men, uh, Landmark is growing by two. They're bringing in Lycoming and Wilkes into all sports, especially football, which will bring football in-house to the Landmark. They will take uh, Catholic out of the New Mac, and then Juniata, Moravian, and Susquehanna will leave the Centennial Conference, and Landmark will have a six-team football conference which as you can imagine with all the conversations we've had with automatic qualifier being pushed down to six we kind of saw this one coming landmark will move to six that will be starting in 2023 so that is uh the summer of 2023 is when that'll officially start so one more year in their respective conferences for light coming or conference in light coming and Wilkes, who are in the uh, middle atlantic conference and one more season in football in the centennial for juniata moravian and susquehanna and one more for Uh, Catholic in the new MAC, and then they'll join, and there'll be a six-team landmark conference. Um, I've been asked this. I don't know if there's growth uh, further than that six. I think there will be conversations about whether the AQ at six in football makes any sense. That said, there may have to be some grandfather clauses, is just my personal opinion. You set up the rules, people follow it, and then you change it. Kind of like how the MAC now has uh a, a grandfather clause you may have to give landmark anybody else a clause so it may not really solve what is already out of the bag there is talk um i can tell you that there could be more conference moves coming in the near future what they are how they impact different sports and all that remains to be seen but we'll be broadcast i'm sure we'll be reporting on more of that in the days and weeks and months ahead in division three but again landmark is uh bringing football into its conference and that means bringing light coming in and Wilkes out of the Mac to join the lot to the landmark. We'll keep an eye on that. That'll mean 10, uh, 10 teams in the uh, basketball, soccer and women's basketball uh, worlds. We'll see how that all plays out. And it'll be fascinating to watch. Also some other sports may grow. For example, uh, men's volleyball is at four teams. Um, wouldn't be surprised. Just gut feeling. If a couple of schools add men's volleyball by 2023, so that those who are leaving conferences will have a home for that. Uh, regional rankings come out came out last week on Tuesday and Wednesday. Obviously, they were alphabetical, as we forewarn everybody. Though it seemed not everybody was totally on board of that. Twenty um, percent were ranked. Something that we tweeted about was maybe that's too many. I did some research. Well, back in about 2012 was the end of a 6.5 to one ratio for. Number of teams ranked. They decided to expand that. It was expanded to basically fifteen to twenty percent. 15 21 percent could be ranked, uh, depending on the region and sport. You could you could change that and and make a basically an argument for what your number was the right one. But now with this new regional thing, everything is twenty percent across the board. And now we're ranking eighty-three teams in men's basketball and women's basketball, roughly give or take that number. And that is uh, about twenty some odd more than we were back in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. And that's just too many, to be flat out honest. We're going to have to look at uh, changing that ranking number, maybe going back to the 15 to 20 number or maybe 15 just flat out. Because I just think uh, I've been hearing from many a RAC member and many a national member that uh, a lot of the time isn't because there's extra regions. It's a lot of time because there's extra teams being ranked. Keep an eye on how that plays out. Also, the non-conference SOS has come up in conversation. And I'll admit I haven't caught up with the updates in the last few days. But the gist of it was it didn't look like the math was adding up. Well, it turns out the non-conference isn't measuring what we thought it was measuring. And to be blunt, it has never measured what we thought it was measuring. How it measures that is still to be seen. We're still trying to figure out all those details. But basically, as I understand it, and I could be wrong, and we're going to keep chasing this to understand it better, but if you play, let's say, Swarthmore in a non-conference game... You don't get the conference games in that SOS that Swarthmore is playing. You just get what Swarthmore's non-conference number is. I don't quite get that. But in other words, this could be helpful to a team like a Shiva or a Penn State Harrisburg or any of those who are leading a conference that doesn't have it, that isn't strong. It will help because now you're only talking about their non conference. It will hurt because you're only talking about their non-conference, and so tapping a Swarthmore or a NESCAC or a CCIW. You don't get the benefits of the CCIW and those except in your overall SOS. You certainly get them in your overall SOS. You just don't get them in your non-conference. So interesting conversation to be we had. We'll continue moving forward on that and see where that takes us. Speaking of which, uh, big news will be coming this week. If you didn't catch it already, at, uh, unless things change, uh, we will... Uh, the. The men's and women's committees will be announcing who they say are the top 16 teams after the regional rankings that will come up on Thursday. Hoopsville will be involved with that to some degree. We're still ironing out the details, but we'll at least talk to both committee chairs about all of that coming up um, after they announce them. That's kind of where it's gotten a little wonky. But Thursday's show, tune in. We'll be talking regional rankings. We'll be talking the top 16 are based on those regional rankings uh, and how that plays out and whether we'll be doing that beyond just this week. Um, Mike Schauer and Meg Wilson will be joining us. Megan Wilson will be joining us to talk all about that. That's coming up on Thursday's show, so that's big news. Um, By the way, if you have not noticed, uh, of course, conferences are heading into conference playoffs and such, and if you haven't noticed, there is a doozy of a conference race in the NACC. If you haven't checked this one out, you should, because it's mind-boggling. Um, the NACC has five teams who are tied at ten and six: Wisconsin Lutheran, Marion, Saint Norbert, Concordia Wisconsin, and Benedictine. They have a further three three teams at nine and six: in Concordia, Chicago, Illinois Tech, and Edgewood, and then Rockford at eight and six. So essentially, you've got nine teams, all within essentially a game of first place, and the tiebreaker is galore in that all. It is crazy, to say the least. It is worth watching. But Wisconsin Wisconsin Lutheran, Marion St. Norbert, Concordia, Wisconsin, Benedictine, Chicago, Concordia, Chicago, Illinois Tech, Edgewood, and Rockford, all in the running for first place in the top, in the top of the NACC. It It is a doozy, and even in a normal year. Uh, add in everything that's going on this year, and it's absolutely crazy. So keep an eye on that one. We'll keep an eye on it as well. And then top 25s, they are out. The new ones, or at least the men's is out. I need to double check. I don't know if the women's is out. The women's is not out as of this recording, if you happen to be listening to us uh, a little bit late here uh, or on demand. randolph making the uh, unanimous number one. The top four did not move. Marietta, Oshkosh, and then Christopher Newport. St. Joseph's did move up to sixth or to fifth from sixth. Illinois Wesleyan jumped from ninth to sixth. La Crosse stayed even at seventh. Platteville fell from fifth to eighth with their Owen 2 week. Mary Harden Baylor jumped from 16th to ninth. Basically, you keep winning at this point, people are going to jump. Mount Union remained at 10 despite losing to, and I don't mean despite losing to, to Marietta because of it and everything else going on. Wheaton actually moved up two slots, which is fascinating. Uh, they actually didn't win. They, they lost a game this week. They also won some games this week. Uh, I actually removed them from my top 25 uh, at 18-5. Right or wrong. I'm not saying that's a right decision. Hopkins moved from 19th to 12th this week. I kept him in my bottom five. Wesleyan went from unranked to 13th. Uh, that's a move you see in week one normally, or the final poll. Maryville fell from 11th to 14th. Elmhurst jumped from 20th to 15th. WPI jumped from 22nd to 16. Wash U tumbled from 8th to 17th off an 0-2 week. Emory remained solid at 18th in the top 25. Oswego fell from 14 to 19. Wabash jumped in to 20th. Uh, Swarthmore fell from 17th down to 21. Williams tumbled from 12th to 22. Berries into the pole at twenty-three. Yeshiva fell from 15th to 24 after their loss this week. And Chapman's in the top 25 now at 25. We'll have plenty more to talk about on a supersized top 25. Bob Quillman, um, Poppers, as we mentioned, Ryan Winnable will all be on us. Uh, and Mike Rainiac will, will likely join us as well. Did you get all that? If you got questions, you can tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, and some others by the way those who fell out of the men's top 25 whitworth nazareth case western and mass dartmouth so there you go all right we'll take a break when we come back we get rolling along rhode island women's basketball we'll start things off they were receiving votes in last week's top 25 not sure where they sit now we'll get an idea when we talk to them coming up you'll listen to hoops so presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca nabc studios there is so much to talk about tonight And we look forward to having you here on the show to talk about it with us. Back with more after this.
1: The Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world.
2: Help us keep that dream alive.
1: You can make a difference.
3: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon
4: entering uh, school.
1: I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me.
4: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division 3.
1: I did receive academic scholarships just being involved on campus, being a leader. All those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
3: We've got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we roll along on this Valentine's Day. Didn't get a chance to officially say happy Valentine's Day. We got a little bit of vino here as we uh, celebrate the day. It's basketball season, and for many of us, celebrating Valentine's Day isn't the easiest thing. The wife's being kind. The kids are being kind. They even put the sh- sign together, and we got it up in time for the first block of the show with our guests on it. Again, you know how to get a hold of us. If you've got any questions, we'll look forward to hearing from you as we roll along here on the show. Lots to talk about in Division 3, and that's why the Supersize show, we weren't on the air last Thursday. Um, and of course, lots happened, but also we didn't get a chance to talk to an, about a bunch of regions. We won't talk about all 10 regions, or really 8, as we break it down. Regions 1 and 2, and 9 and 10, we do combine into a Region 1, 2, and a Region nine 10. We're going to skip 2 of the uh, 10, technically, or 2 of the 8, as a result today. But we'll we'll make up with them at a later date. But as we uh, talk about Regions 1 and 2, and the women's basketball side of things, if you're not looking at the Little East Conference I think that jumped out to me is the fact that Rhode Island College is having a tremendous season. They've got a half-game lead on Eastern Connecticut and a two-and-a-half-game lead on Mass Dartmouth. And they're 18-5 and five on the season. That 18-5 and five considers the fact that they lost three of their first four on the season and four of their first eight. And have been rolling ever since with one loss coming to Eastern Connecticut, ironically enough, just the other day. We'll talk about all of that. Jo- joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is Jenna Cosgrove the head coach of the aforementioned anchorman coach. Thanks for taking the time, especially on Valentine's day to join us. I appreciate it.
5: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dave.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Please. I'm glad to have you. Um, we'll try and make sure that your voice survives this. We know you've been yelling like many, good, many, a good coach. Hey, first <laughs> and foremost, rough start to the season, but the last half of the season has been strong. I mean, you played some good teams. Let's point out, you played MIT. Uh, you lost to MIT, Amherst, and Bapson. You also lost to Trinity, Connecticut. Those aren't slouch teams by any stretch of the imagination. But it, yeah. did it help the second half?
5: Yeah, it helped us. It was definitely our toughest non-conference schedule since I've been at Rick. Um, you know, and we had the team to prepare us, and that was the goal. I mean... I think we. I wish we could go back and play a couple of those teams now because we got a low. We got a very slow start. Um, you know, we lost two key components to last year's team, and I think just trying to find our identity. And once we really hit that December uh, December stretch, we really started playing our best.
0: What I was curious is it a little bit of playing your best, or the fact that you're coming out of COVID and trying to play despite you know getting a little bit of time last year, not having what you normally have combo with the fact you're playing tough teams.
5: Yeah. It helped us playing those teams. I mean, those are tough teams and they prepared us for our conference play. Um, and I think it was just really, you know, I think finding our identity together, I think really clicking together, especially on the offensive side of the ball where our defense is our identity, but all together, really just clicking really helped. I think COVID COVID really impacted us. I think, you know, this right when we returned from Christmas, Um, along with every other team
0: so yeah looking back at that you guys had about three and a half weeks off between mass boston game on on the 18th of december and the 5th of january when you took on eastern connecticut a game you got 71 45 and i know conferences are tough but they got you back at your place in overtime 60 to 57 just the other day is that just conference being conference is that something else going on or is is also just the end of the of the season here and you've been grinding along for a while
5: um yeah, I mean, no, we weren't missing anybody. Um, you know, so it was a battle. They were missing one of their key players when we played them. And um, you know, that's one of our rivals. It's an excellent team, excellent coach team. Um, and we didn't play our best. And I can't have those We, we, we had a slow start in that first half, played catch up the whole game, uh, hit some lucky shots to bring us into overtime and miss some key free throws. So, you know, really learned a lot from it, it exposed us. Um, but in our conference, it's tough enough that you can't, you can't have a down game. And we did. Um, and I won't give, you know, I won't take it away from them. They, they had their whole team. We had our whole team and they, they, they all played us.
0: The interesting thing is you kind of had some buffer going into that. Uh, obviously you were undefeated in conference play, had a little bit of games, obviously a win there would have uh, pretty much iced things a little bit for conferences, uh, uh, standings and conference playoffs. You got two left mass Boston, uh, Dartmouth. I apologize. You just played mass Boston mass Dartmouth, in Plymouth state. So it's not going to get easy necessarily, but now there's a little bit of more pressure on you guys to try and lock things up.
5: Yeah, we got a big one tomorrow. It was moved up to tomorrow instead of uh Wednesday against UMass Dartmouth. So big one on the road for us, um, you know, and really working on our been really working on ourselves the last uh, couple weeks, really trying to just focus more on ourselves and playing our best basketball rather than necessarily who were our opponents were facing. Cause every game is a tough, a tough game. So big one tomorrow night, for sure. Um, I know if we, we win, we could clinch first. If not, it's up in the air. So
0: Uh, give me a sense of this team. Um, We can see a lot when we look at a roster, but thanks to COVID rosters have gotten a little bit more complicated to understand. Truly. Is this senior lead laden? Is it full of youth? Um, Is it somewhat in the middle? Is it a balancing act? How would you describe your team in terms of, of experience?
5: It's a balancing act for sure. Um, this is definitely my my more veteran team that I've had since being here. Um, so it's more junior, senior led, but it's a mix. And that's why I say very balance heavy. It's been a, a tremendous um, asset of ours being, especially in early January during COVID. I mean, we are deep and I think that's been our biggest um, advantage this season is our depth. You know, and that's why we compete really heavily against each other in practice every day. We play, you know, 10 bodies or more every game. And um, I think that's our biggest weapon, just that we have the depth. You know, if someone were to go down or get in foul trouble, we have a lot of answers. Um, and that's been a blessing for us this year.
0: You talk about the team and what jumps out at me is this isn't a very high scoring team. You don't have a lot of high scores. You only average almost just under 64 points a game while allowing 50 points a game. You have one player in double figures. It's uh, Angelina uh, Nard- Nardolina. I can't say that one. I added an N. Yeah. Um, no, I got to get it right. Nardolillo.
5: Yep. Nardolillo.
0: I got to get new glasses. Uh, <laughs> almost 11 <laughs> points a game, seven rebounds a game. Obviously that's strong and it's not to take anything away from anybody else. Cause we'll talk about the d- fact you've got some depth there in the scoring. It's just, you aren't a high-paced, high-scoring offense, so that's that 10.8 stands out a bit.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we are a defensive-minded team, but we do – you know, there are some games we put some big numbers up, and the last couple games I think we've struggled. i um, not so sure. Sometimes if it is – I think our depth plays into why our numbers are so balanced and not super high, um, just because we are playing a much deeper bench and a lot of play- – of our opponents. So that plays, you know, you look down, you know, even on the stat sheet, you know, there's a lot of, you know, right under 10 or average, you know, seven, six, five. I mean, we have a lot of contributors. Our bench puts up more points than a lot of other benches. Um, And that's kind of our identity isn't based on a couple scores by any means.
0: Well, uh, an example of that is a mass Boston game. The last one out, you're led by a player who's only played three games or started three games played in 22 off the bench. Madison Medbury, 13 points a game, a career high. It exemplifies that point that there's a lot of players who could contribute at any point, and it's not necessarily the ones at the top of the sheet.
5: Right. And I think once that was tough for them to figure out, kind of when we were figuring out our identity in the beginning of the season, especially with, uh, you know, we played some tough teams right off the bat, MIT and Babson, we played Amherst. I mean, I was changing up the lineup very often. And it wasn't something I wanted to do. I didn't like the inconsistency, but our depth is incredible. And once I got the team to buy into understanding that that was going to be kind of who we are, a balanced act of a lot of depth, um, it kind of clicked for us. And we, and then the team bought into that.
0: You've had 12 players who've gotten a start this season. There's just two who haven't. That's very rare, even in a COVID year.
5: Yeah, it's tough. It's a good problem to have as a coach, but it's tough.
0: I'm sure. The other thing about that is of the 12 I mentioned, almost every single one of them have played in the majority of the game, 19 of the 23 games. Only one is played in less than that. So, okay, you've got a lot of starting laps, but you're also willing to go deep on that bench constantly. It's almost the opposite of the system. You're subbing a lot, using a lot of depth. You're just not high-powered and in your face necessarily.
5: Right. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, it's the conference in itself. I think basketball each year changes a bit. We're facing a lot of teams in our um, conference that are playing a lot of guards. So it kind of depends on the night. Um, You know, I think we've got some of the best centers in the league. We've got three of them, not just one. And sometimes it's hard to rotate them in if other teams are playing four or five guards. Um, So it kind of depends on the night who we're playing who's performing, but we definitely play a big bench.
0: Yeah. You definitely, you list at least two at six foot or taller. Uh, mm-hmm. Nardolillo, Nardolillo, who I mentioned yeah. earlier, also, we'll see a McBurrow uh, at mm-hmm. six foot one. Uh, you've also got other size Phelan uh, at 5'10", 5'11", for Uh Obviously there's height there and that's an interesting opposite of what you, as you say, we're seeing a lot of, and that's a lot of guard play. Is that, it, has that been a, an advantage? Has that been to sometimes a disadvantage? Because I'm assuming those guard plays are going to go a little bit more up tempo.
5: Actually, we are uh, we're super versatile. So Muneer, uh Nalisha Munir, Wilsha McBurrow, and Angelina Nardalillo are are really can be true centers. Um, but Nardalillo has a lot of versatility, which is why she is a successful freshman in the league. Um, she could step out and shoot the three. She's still working on getting better at it, but she's very versatile. Um, Izzy Booth, who was injured, um, for like at, from Thanksgiving up until mid January, she's, she can play a guard forward. Same with Phelan, same with Macy Durantes. Um, so we've actually increased our ability to play more of a versatile swing three, four type basketball, um, with a lot of our lineup, which has been in our favor as well. There's only a couple kids that don't, don't benefit in that style.
0: Sure. Um, I just want to go call up the regional rankings, and I mistyped them. Um, but how important is it to position yourself here regionally to try and get a little bit of a, of a buffer? Or is this one of those where you just got to go out and win the conference? Thus, next two games mean a lot to lock up conference to come through you guys, and then you got to make sure to go win the conference. Or are you hoping that there's an at-large play here?
5: You know, Dave, we're not going to gamble only because, you know, two years ago we we missed it. Um, you know, we went 22 and five and we ended up losing after beating Eastern twice. We lost in the championship and we didn't get the eight and at large, um, granted our non-conference wasn't as strong as it was this year, but again, we didn't get some of the wins this year. We, you know, we were hoping to maybe get, and I told the girls, I go, we didn't, we went 11 and 0 last year, but we couldn't, we couldn't play for an NCAA tournament. You know, we, we, we lost out on that again. So... You know, I told them, I go, you got to go all in right now. You got to go play our best. We got to hope to just, we got to hope to keep winning. And we can't just, we don't want to bargain with it here. We really want to get what we lost out on.
0: Makes total sense. Um, you are regionally ranked. I went and confirmed that because I just can't have that all memorized. Um, that's at least got to make you feel good. Obviously the next ones will, will, will be a lot more revealing, but I see your point. You just got to go out there and take care of business when it's in front of you. Right does the loss then to Eastern Connecticut kind of help drive that message and drive the fact that you've got to get it done or does, or does there still need to be a message sent or a message understood that, that there's a lot on the line?
5: I think they know. Um, They know, they know that we haven't, you know, the last two years, you know, they know what it feels like to lose. They know what it feels like, you know, in a sense, I think, you know, no one likes to lose, but um, we learned a lot from that game at Eastern. Um, you know, we can't come out slow. We learned, you know, we, we, we harped on the free throws and and just our performance overall. And, um, you know, I think they're really hungry. They're super focused. So, you know, tomorrow will tell a lot. You know, it's a great team. Another big, big rival. We're on the road. Um, but this team's definitely prepared. And I think our depth, you know, is one of our strongest strongest attributes probably because of just being able to go against each other and practice every day with such a strong, strong bench.
0: Um, Wrapping things up here with uh, Jenna Cosgrove, the Endicott graduate uh, who is head coach of of Rhode Island college down of course in in Rhode Island in Providence. Uh, It's been an interesting weather year. Of course, you're on the Southern end of that LEC conference to some degree. You guys have certainly had your fair share of interesting moments up there. That's par for the course, obviously, but combined with COVID, how much has the stress and the uncertainty taken a toll, or has there been a little bit of a roll with it mentality?
5: Oh, it's definitely come into a strategy. COVID has come into strategy big time. Is is that what you mean, Dave?
0: Well, yeah, strategy or just mental mental exhaustion.
5: Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I had it. My assistants have had it, and... I think right now we have like six or seven players that haven't had it. Um, and it's tough because we've had kids go in and out of quarantine. But I'll tell you, I'm, I, I get less stressed. We've had kids down and we've had Nardalolo down and we've had um, we've had starters down across the board. Um, you know, Madison Medbury, our backup point guard. I mean, I could go down. I'm like drawing a blank here. Happy Phelan, Ashanti Frazier, our starting point guard. Um, we've had kids out and we've had kids step up. And I think overall, we've benefited big time as a team from that. Um, I think if we weren't as deep, I'd be having – I've been having anxiety a lot. <laughs> <can> but <laughs> we've had kids in and out up until this point, um, and we still could have kids go out, but we've been able to persevere through it. So I've been really proud of that of that part of it.
0: It's It certainly but it's not uh, easy. has been challenging for everybody, but uh, I can only imagine how challenging it is when you're dealing with the virus from a coach's perspective. You did get to play some last year, obviously – as you mentioned, going 11 and 0 the year before you guys were 22 and five, the year before at 18 and nine, this has been building this, this success that we're seeing has been building over time. Hasn't it?
5: Uh, Yes. Yes.
0: How good Uh, does it um, feel to not, not necessarily be there? Cause I know there's, there's work to be done, but to see the, what you had started to get going in the right direction has continued despite the challenges.
5: Yeah, it's, it's awesome to see, um, you know, I've got an alumni that comes and sits in practice a lot now. She's around campus all the time. And it's just the foundation's built. So this year has been, and you've, re- I've really felt it the most this year because we have the most upperclassmen I've had on the team since in my five years. And, you know, they know the foundation, they know the standards. Um, and now it's just building off of it. So it's, it's become easier in a sense. Um, always has, has its challenges, but it's um, just a special group. So I think unfinished business for sure, and I think they want it more than ever.
0: You had an interesting uh, career. You, obviously, as we mentioned, you played at Endicott. You've got some sports management experience there with your major. Obviously, a lot of success in the Commonwealth Coast Conference while you were there. Um, 23 victories, for example, a school record at the time. You then went off to kind of get into the coaching realm. You were part of uh, an assistant coaching job at Team USA. Uh, you then went into Division One at Fordham. Um, what brought you back to division three and in particular RIC and what about the team USA and the, and the Fordham experiences have you been able to bring to the table to kind of supplement your already D three knowledge? Uh,
5: I, 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 took this job to bring me back home, um, to be a head coach and, but really to be closer to my family, um, and, and take everything I learned from Fordham and, you know, apply it to my own program. And I think one of the things that, I've taken from the person I worked for at Fordham was one of the best defensive minded coaches, not just in basketball, but especially in division one basketball for women. They're still, they're always top in the country defensively took everything I know knowledge wise from her. Um, but I also witnessed firsthand turning around a program and the cult building that culture and the time it takes and the pieces and every, so I credit all that to her and, and, um, you know, that really, I was there for seven years. So I watched a program go from zero to uh, championship and i um, very grateful for that experience. Well,
0: might, might, might be taking this one to a championship officially during the season here coming up. We look forward to seeing if that plays out. Coach, appreciate the time. Glad the voice held off. Um, I won't play the audio you sent me yesterday. I don't think anybody needs to hear that. I don't think you want anybody to hear that. But I appreciate oh. you gutting it out and joining us on the show. Uh, congratulations on a tremendous season. I know there's a lot to be done, so good luck on that. Good luck to the team and have fun. And as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you. you want to share with those who may be tuned in?
5: Yeah, tune in tomorrow and Root for Us.
0: There you go. Well, good. I'll try to, I, I guess. Right. Now I have to, I guess. So, yeah, we'll work <laughs> on that. Hey, coach, thanks for the time. Take care. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll talk to you soon. All
5: right. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate Absolutely.
0: it. Jenna Crosgrove. Join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Her team's off to a tremendous – well, not off. Jeez, we're, we're wrapping up the season. i got to stop saying that. Uh, two games left. Uh, they're 18-5 and five overall, 13-1 uh, and one in conference play. Mass Dartmouth, Plymouth State ahead, as she said, starts off tomorrow with those two games of this week. We'll see how the conference playoffs play out, and we'll see where regional rankings have them as well. Uh, When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk men's basketball. Bond joins us. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more, plenty more, on this supersized Valentine's Day edition after this.
4: It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can.
6: To get a friend home safe.
4: To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up.
6: To make our community safe for all.
2: It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander
7: to step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault.
6: Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
4: Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division three level it created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle. And and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein.
8: There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. <laughs>
9: This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports, and what we can still love about college sports.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. Also live simulcasting the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. Well, we're supposed to be live simulcasting the show on YouTube. I just looked over there and noticed it's not live simulcasting there, and I really don't know why. We'll figure that out and try and solve it for the rest of this beast of a show. Three hours tonight because we're making up for lost time last week i've been debating when i wanted to get this next guest on the show because i didn't want to get him on too soon and i was worried about getting him on too late and i I might have waited too long but we also have the classic and i wanted to give some space but marietta has been having a tremendous good season this year in men's basketball no surprise they're one of the most consistent programs probably in the last five some odd years in division three certainly um, uh, Vanderwall's certainly got a program that clicks and he's got a fan base that certainly loves every moment of that tuned into a few games this year and the place never disappoints. Uh, they are number two now in the top 25, thanks to in part the fact that they're staying consistent when everybody else has taken losses and they've gotten some big wins, including against rivals like John Carroll and a big win this last week against Mount Union so joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline to talk about all of it is the head coach of the Pioneers it is John Vanderwall. Apparently I've got an extra N on the graphic we'll fix that in a moment. Coach, good to have you. Thanks for the time. Looking good. How are you? Good, Dave. Thanks for having me.
10: Things are going well. You know, just kind of going through that uh late season grind here and uh try, trying to finish strong.
0: Yeah, the grind is is to say the least and what I I I re- kind of lean on some words I heard from Ryan a, a couple of weeks ago on this show. You know, we do our top 25 conversation. You guys come up, obviously, often. And he made a point saying, listen, you know, we see a lot of teams that take conference losses. We expect them to take conference losses. Whether you think there's flaws or no flaws or whatever, it's irrelevant. You guys at least still get the job done. It might get ugly. It might be pretty. It doesn't matter. You're getting wins. And that really resonated with me. You guys have just found ways to win this year. And in some cases, win going away. Is that just breeding a ton of confidence or do you guys just know yourself so well that you just got to buckle down every night?
10: I don't know. You know, it's been, it's been kind of crazy. One of my guys just said today, man, it's hard to believe we're on an 18 game winning streak. It doesn't feel like that uh, because I think we've had to work for everything this year. You, you kind of mentioned it. It's, and uh, we've been a little banged up too. I, I kind of give credit to our run and the fact that we've just really had to focus one game at a time. And I know that's coaches speak, uh, and everybody says that. But, man, we yeah. have truly lived that this year, uh, whether, you know, we've had some guys dinged up and had some guys miss some games. And um, every every week it just feels like, all right, guys, we just got to figure out how to get over this obstacle and win this game. And our guys have done a tremendous job. And it, and it helps that we are starting four seniors and uh, bringing a senior off the bench and, and playing a lot of older guys. Uh, we've got a really veteran group that's been through a lot, seen a lot over the years, played in a lot of big games um so we've seen just about every situation that you could encounter and then this year we've seen that as well and, and we've been down at the half we've been down late in the game um had to you know had to make some runs and, and our guys have stepped up to the
0: challenge and just done a really nice job yeah certainly um it's something i i found interesting is it feels like you guys scrappier this year is that is that the right term i don't know there's something about Defensively, you guys seem to just get to the right place at the right time. Or um offensively it may not be pretty, but you somehow get the basket to fall. I, I don't know if that's the right term. I could be completely off on this. Is that the right way you guys are doing it, or is it is it by design? No, I
10: think we're a scrappy group. I think we we pride ourselves on out competing people. Um, you know, we've always played ten guys. We try to pride ourselves in being deep and just out competing and wearing teams down, try to play relentlessly, you know, um, rebounding is really important to us it's, it hasn't been our best rebounding team that we've had, but I, I think we've gotten better as the season has gone on, especially as of late. Uh, but our guy, we got a scrappy group. We got some tough hard nosed guys that, that want to win. They want to win really bad and, uh, whatever it's going to take, they're, they're going to get it done. And, um, you know, I think we're scrappy on both ends. Defensively, I think we're, we're pretty good. Uh, at the other end, I think we play really well together. We have an unselfish group, and um, we're doing a great job. You know, I think we're I – I haven't looked at the stats as far as nationally, but I think we've got to be one of the best assist-to-turnover ratio teams out there. We just don't turn the ball over a whole lot. And uh, so, we, so we get a lot of shots up, and uh, and then we pride ourselves on trying to go get it back, and, and uh, our guys have really bought into how, how we do things.
0: Start of the season, you guys went two and two. Uh, you beat Christopher Newport down at uh, Roanoke College, then beat or lost to Roanoke, 77-68 the next day. Then you went a week off, and then you guys took on the uh, Great Lakes Classic. You defeated a Wabash team that now, in hindsight, looks tremendous. Actually, even at the time, that looked like a good win, yeah. 99-92. And then the number one team in the country snipped to 82-74. So kind of a back and forth, though granted, tough opening stanza. To be honest, this might be the toughest schedule I've seen you put together outside of OAC play. Just talk about that start because that can be a start, no matter how good you think you are, that can just not breed any confidence because everyone's like, well, geez, we just can't get it done some nights.
10: Yeah, it was, uh, we were really exhausted after those two weeks. Uh, It felt like we were playing games, you know, in November that we should have been playing in March. I mean, those, I can't imagine there's a team out there that played four tougher games uh, to start their season than, than what we did. Um, you know, we came out of it two and two. I think I think we're better off because of it, uh, because we did that. You know, at the time, it was like, man, we're two and two. We, we haven't been two and two in 12 years. And, uh, you know, you kind of second guess yourself maybe a little bit. Um, but we found out right away how, how to play at a really high clip and what it was going to take to be one of the best teams in the country. And that's our goal. Our goal is to be one of the best programs in the country. Uh, we pride ourselves on that. And so we want to play the best teams we could possibly play. This year it just worked out where maybe it was a little aggressive. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we came out of a 2-2, two and, two and and I think we came out better because of it, and it's prepared us for this run that we've been on.
0: I then got to see you at the at the classic. You guys obviously got into uh, back into the winning side at that, winning four straight before we saw you guys um, uh, wins over Geneva, Ohio Northern, Baldwin Wallace, Autobine. John Carroll game got pushed off to a later date. And I said coming out of there, I didn't think you were the best team there. I thought Maryville oh, might no have been did. a better team. I would love to. More have guys Would <laughs> you say? I said, I know you did. I told I you know. Our guys,
10: you guys heard that. I don't hide <laughs> I, it. I want
0: to thank you. It, it motivated our guys. Motivated well, there you go. Guys. Yeah, you can send this a check. Good. I'll send you the address. Um, <laughs> listen, I—I I mean, I, it really was that way. I felt like if—if if we had seen you play Maryville, I would have. I thought it would have been a fascinating matchup. Granted, you were supposed to play St. Joseph's. So they weren't yeah. able to come, and so that does change a lot of the equation. And maybe that had something to do with it where you now were playing different opponent or opponents than you were planning on originally. I've actually forgotten uh, the entire schedule. Um, But since then, it seems like something's clicked. But I'm watching games and I'm not sure, I'm not maybe smart enough to know what is exactly clicking that looks better than we saw at the Classic. And I realize there's distractions. What's different between the team now than we saw then?
10: I don't know that a whole lot's changed. You know, I mean, I think it's kind of hard to judge a team um, right after Christmas at a, at a Las Vegas tournament like that. You know, I mean, that's,
0: or, not, like, great, as you that's guys, not helping us sell the tournament, but go ahead.
10: <laughs> <laughs> well, at, you know, as you mentioned, our John Carroll game right before Christmas break got canceled. Right. So we had a little bit of an extended break. We had more time off than I would tend to like. So Fair. our guys Fair. actually went home for 10 days, came back. We practiced one day here on campus and then flew out to Vegas and tried to play two pretty solid teams, you know? So um, I think we were still trying to find ourselves a little bit at that point in the season, especially coming off um, a a long layoff. Um, But I I think what makes this group special is, is we're really balanced. Uh, I think we've got, you know, our starting three guards. I think I'd put those starting three guards up against anybody's in the country. Those guys are really good. And and then we obviously bring some really guys, uh, really good players off the bench as well. And, and, you know, and then Tim Krieger's played for us for four years in the, in the post. And I think one of the things that you mentioned back then was, was our post game. You kind of questioned that a little bit. And, and I think those guys have really improved uh, since, since that time. I think we're getting more production out of our post players. Um, I think early on in the season, we were really reliant on our guards to make all the plays. Um, we, we found that out at, at Roanoke. You know, we were really fortunate to win the Christopher Newport game. Um, and then, and then Rono kind of stuck it to us the next day, um, because we were just so relying on our guards and we we've been focused on getting more of a low post game and get back to some of those things that we've done in the past. And I thought our guys have done a nice job and, and, um, we're just really balanced. I think we're hard to prepare for. I think if you want to take Jason Ellis out of the game, there's four or five other guys that could really give you a problem. And, um, we, we just kind of pride ourselves on that.
0: Not that I want to jinx it, but you're getting... Close to the end here, regular season play. You got two games left. You haven't lost a game in conference play, and a quick look shows you've never done that, at least in your tenure, and at least in any time since two thousand six, two thousand seven at Marietta. I'm not saying that that's the crowning jewel of a season. Obviously, there's a lot to play more than that, you know, conference tournament, NCA glory, et cetera. But I'm I'm almost a little surprised you're getting to this point unscathed in the OAC because Mount Union has seemed like it was going to be a, a tough stop for you guys in the last game. You guys handled them real well. Heidelberg has come out of the woodwork a little bit and been a tough team this year. And the OAC in general, like a lot of good conferences, it's tough to win. And they know you better than anybody else knows you. What's it been like in the OAC this year? And how how can you beat three games up at this point? Basically locked up the conference for the, for the postseason without a loss it just it feels abnormal it almost feels it feels strange to be talking about an undefeated marietta team right now
10: well not just a marietta team just just an oac team in general i think you know i mean our league is so deep and so tough and and to be honest with you i think this year might be the best the league's been in a really really long time i mean we, we currently have you know four teams that are regionally ranked and um and maybe you know, might by the time this is all done, might have five teams that are regionally ranked. And uh, so, from top to bottom, I think this is the best our our league has been in in, in quite some time. I think you, you mentioned it, Mount Union and Heidelberg have really dynamic teams. um You know, I mean, Mount Union's only has only has three losses, one's to Heidelberg, and two of them are to us. I mean, they're they're really good. They're one of the top teams in the country. And so, we feel blessed and fortunate to to be sitting here undefeated. You know, I don't want to say surprised, but but, um, I think this might be the toughest year to to be sitting here undefeated that we've ever been through, and it's just kind of a credit to our guys how they've they've, they've handled their business really well.
0: How about the Ban Johnson arena? You know, in this COVID era where some schools are are not allowing fans or restricting the number of fans, how much is it meant that Ban Johnson can be essentially full for a game against John Carroll for the one I remember tuning into? Um, John Carroll gave you guys a game. No surprise. It's it's a rivalry OAC game. That was the least surprising thing in, in what I was watching. But even against a Mount Union earlier in the season and the like, how big is a deal? Is it that not only do you always get the town support, but you're getting the opportunity during a COVID year when that easily could be shut down, to be honest? Yeah. I mean, we, I would like
10: to thank our administration, right, for, for allowing us that yeah. opportunity. I mean, there's a lot of places that aren't getting that opportunity. And so we – we're we're very thankful that that our administration has, has allowed us to have fans and allowed us to pack Ban Johnson Arena and and give our players the experience that that we I think they deserve. You know, it's been a it's been a long two years. Uh we're all we're all tired of this COVID thing. And uh, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun this year, especially after everything we went through last year. It was tough playing in Ban Johnson Arena in front of nobody last year. That was weird, right? Because we're just right. not used to that. And I think last year that was a a tougher adjustment for us than maybe some other programs who aren't aren't as fortunate as we are to play in a packed house, uh, sold out Ban Johnson Arena every every night. Um, so it's been great to be back in there this year. It obviously is a huge home court advantage for us, uh, which is why we're trying to finish this thing as strong as we can because we want to try to get as many home games in the in the NCAA tournament as we possibly can in that place because it's just uh it's an electric special place, and uh, we're just thankful to. To, to have an opportunity to play in front of fans this year.
0: A couple of things I want to read off. Thanks to the notes from uh, your SID, uh, Jeffrey Shelley. I, I, I want to read off and just get your reaction to as a, as a lump sum. Currently on an 18-game winning streak, you've won 23 regular season OAC games in a row. You're trying to go undefeated in the conference for the first time. That's never been done in the OAC since 85-86. You, you're right. You lead the, the, the NCAA in assist-to-turnover ratio, also the fewest turnovers and turnovers per game. Um, you're looking to win or well, you have basically become the first school to win five straight conference championships, looking to make that six, um, you you guys have got, I mean, geez, 12th straight winning season. Haven't done that since basically this time a century ago. What do you guys have accomplished is pretty remarkable considering as you say, how tough the OAC has been, how tough division three has become during this period of time. What's your reaction to the to the milestones this program has achieved under you? I don't know. You know,
10: we're just trying to take it one game, one year at a time. But we're awfully proud um, of the program we've we've built, and um, you know, we've we've had a lot of success, and we've done a lot of things I think people didn't think you could do here at Marietta. Um, I think that's what makes it so special. I think that's also part of why our campus and our community supports us so well. Um, you know, we, we've just built something really unique here and it's, it's our administration, it's our town, it's our school, it's, it's our fan base. It's, it's all the players that have bought into this. And so there's a, there's a lot that's, that's gone into all those statistics that you just rattled off, but, um, we feel blessed. We feel fortunate. We're thankful. Um, and we're just trying like mad to keep it going, you know? So I, I try not to dwell uh, on the past achievements and just really try to, Look, look towards the future, and what we where we think we could take the program, where we want to go, what we got to do to reach our goals. But um, we, we've had a lot of fun. Last We've had about an 11, 12-year run here where it's been a lot of fun, and we're just trying to keep it going.
0: I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to talk to you until we're much further in the NCAA tournament, just the way our structure is on the show, trying to to give as many voices a chance to be on. One thing we, we kind of talked about and hemmed and hawed or stayed away from or whatever every year is getting that next goal accomplished in the NCAA to, to get to the Final Four, to get a chance at a championship. We can debate whether this is the year that's that big opportunity, but there's been years in the past that I know you guys have had a lot of confidence. What is it that maybe this team can accomplish? What What is it about this team that maybe can finally cross that bridge? And obviously we know there's matchups. But is past experience a part of this? Or is it all fresh for these guys and they have to understand? Or is it all new? How do we cross that bridge with Marietta? How do we see you in Fort Wayne? Uh, you know, if I had the answer, we'd probably, we probably I could tell you we were going to be there, right? But right. I,
10: I don't know. I, I don't know. I, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. You know, keep knocking on the doorstep. We've been close, been a couple of lead eights. Um, we've been right there. We've got guys on this team that have been to the lead eight. And, um, you know, half half of our roster has played you know, in Sweet 16, Elite 8 games. So they, they've been there. They, they know what it's going to take. Um, and we're, we're just kind of building towards that every single day. Um, You know, even though we've got the regular season OAC championship locked up, we, we understand that we've still got to get better. There's two games left in this regular season. There's the OAC tournament. And every day we're trying to get better so we can make that next step. You know, and, and you know, when you get to that far, you get to Sweet 16, Elite 8, you know, it's, you're right, matchups, ball bouncing your way whatever it may take, you know, but uh, I know it's not from a lack of effort. Uh, I know we've got a good enough team that can do it, Um, you know, and and they're focused and they're determined and they've been a great group to coach. So this group's got as good of a chance as any group that we've ever had. And uh, that's all we can ask for.
0: By the way, your women's team, not too shabby either.
10: They're doing great. Super proud of them. It's been a lot of fun around here. Uh, They got a great team, great coaching staff. You know, I'm blessed, too, to have a, a women's coaching staff that we get along with really well, and uh, they root for us, we root for them, and uh, couldn't, couldn't
0: be prouder of them as well. By the way, just to have a little fun with you, I've never seen a coach's page in Division three outside of football that looks like yours. Uh, in terms on the website, you got you got yourself, you got the associate, the assistant, the volunteer, the assistant, the student <laughs> assistant, the student assistant student assistant, the men's character coach, the other men's character <laughs> coach, the assistant athletic for sports information, the director of chair of athletic training and three other basketball managers. You love giving everybody some, some credit, don't you? We've, we've got an entourage now. Yeah, you you know, do. It's,
10: it's, uh, This is morphed into sometimes when we get off the bus for a pregame meal and I, I find out how many people I've got to pay for us. Holy cow, how many people we got with us, but
0: uh, we've kind of developed a, a pretty unique uh, entourage that we've got. It's It's, it's a lot of fun. Hey coach, appreciate the time. I could talk forever, but we have other guests who want to talk to us, and and sure. and we don't want to hog all the time. And also, I'm boring, so we don't want to bore you too much. But I appreciate you taking the time to find us and and come on the show. Uh, great to see you in Vegas. It's great to see the team. Great to see the the success continue, and uh, look forward to seeing how that all plays out. As always, we give the coach the final word, though. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in?
10: No, you said. I mean, thanks. Thanks for the for having me on. And, and, uh, we, we, we did enjoy that D three hoops.com classic out in Vegas had had a blast. It was, it was a great trip trip. And I would encourage anybody to, to make that trip. You guys did a great job putting that on. So it was a lot of fun and, uh, you know, we're just looking forward to finishing this thing strong. So go piles.
0: Yeah. Well, good luck. Definitely. Good luck. And we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road and take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely. John Bannerwall joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. The women's team, by the way, 19 and 4 overall, 12-4 and four in conference play. Men's team, as we mentioned, two games left to try and remain undefeated in the OAC for the regular season. The conference is going through. Ben Johnson, no matter what, uh, they'll get that opportunity. You gotta you gotta play through Marietta to win the OAC this year. Uh and we'll talk more about that as we get to next week and beyond. They got Capital coming up on Wednesday. I'm sorry, tomorrow, Tuesday, fouled by Heidelberg on Saturday, that one on the road. We'll take a break when we come back. We'll continue the men's conversation on this show. I actually just kind of forgot who the heck we got coming up next. I said Font last time. I was wrong about that. We'll figure it out. It's on Twitter. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Who we got next is Font We'll talk about the Slyak leaders or the Slyak, the team at the top of the Slyak battling it out when we come back. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops. Back with more
4: after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can.
8: There are over 480,000 college athletes, only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs, no private jets, no fan clubs, no hall of fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable we
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we get rolling along here, next guest up, it will be Fump. I will talk to him in a moment. By the way, shout out to Bob Quillman. Notice I've got a, a a glass of Vino tonight on this Valentine's Day. You couldn't believe I'm I'm sipping on the I'm sipping on it. If anyone's noticed, it hasn't gone down that much. But it's pretty good. Uh we we'll, might maybe we'll get some more later for the for the end of the show. Um uh, we always try to have it on uh, the big marathon show, but we got a big Valentine's Day show. We might as well enjoy it. And the wife made a wonderful dinner, and so I, I'm sipping the wine that came with it. All right, so back to FOPBON, as we mentioned. They're on top of the Sky Uh 10-1 uh, and 1 in conference play, uh, two-game edge on Eureka, um, and then everybody else, Blackburn, Spalding, et cetera, and a, a Slyak conference that maybe isn't as competitive as years gone past. Of course, we've been used to Greenville at the top of the conference. They're struggling this season. But if you look at this FOPBON team, they were 2-4 and four out of the gate uh, with a lot of games against non-Division 3s mixed in there. Uh, Then lost a bunch of games around Christmas and kind of just went quiet for a month. Came out of the gate against aforementioned Greenville. What a way to come out of a month not playing basketball. You play a 154-123 game just for good measure. Yes, they came away with the victory out of that one. They got a victory over Greenville later as well. They got three games left in conference play, pretty much in control of this conference. And it's been a while since we talked to the Griffins. I figured we had to change that. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk all about this fun stuff, it is Lance Thornhill, the head coach of Fontbonne, who pulled off the side of the road to allow us some time. Coach, I appreciate that. First and foremost, congratulations. 14-5 and five this season. When I looked back, you were at 14-12, and 12 you know, basically last full season. So you have already met that mark. You guys haven't had as good a season since 2008 when you were 21 and seven. It's got to be, it's got to feel good, especially after that two and four start, as I said, to be 14 and five playing well and on top of the conference.
9: No doubt about it. I keep telling these guys every time. Every time we pull off a victory, I tell them. I said, "You guys might be a little better than I think we are." And then uh, when we went up to Eureka the other day, I, I told them all. I, I said, "Now you got me. A, you got me being being a believer in you. You are. Uh, you may be better than I think you are." So uh, yeah, that's kind of kind of been our motto moving forward.
0: Well, um, you, you won after, what, after our two and four start. What, right. What's well, sure. I mean, I, two and four. I can't imagine you were believing much. We
9: were definitely had some question marks. We were coming off of a year last year. We struggled. We got to the conference championship and lost in the tournament. And then uh, our start was a little bumpy for sure. Um, and then uh, we got to play Missouri Baptist um, and came off with a big uh, home victory there. So that led us into uh, kind of the, the, the second semester of, uh, of our good fortune.
0: Yeah, by the way, the eight-game winning streak you're on now, longest since the 0809 season. That year you finished 18-9, and and really the last time up until a few years ago that you had a winning season. Um, but again, there was two and four start. You you beat Simpson out of the gate. You lose to Buena Vista. Then Maryville, Missouri beats you. By the way, I saw Maryville, Missouri's team uh, in baseball. They're the only ones that that stumped me because it's not the other Maryville. They're the D2 version. Right. Right. But, you, but you played them – really, let's be honest. You played a D2 team to eight. That's not bad. Then you lose the Asbury game. Then you play Lincoln Christian. That one's to to 11, and you get that as a victory. You lose the Baptist Bible, and you get thumped by Wash U. In all of that, there are some good results in there, even if they were losses. The Maryville game was a a great game for us. In
9: fact, we won the second half by three points, so uh, the Maryville game was kind of a, a stepping stone to what I saw we might have. The Asbury game, we got canceled. We're supposed to play them up in Chicago. That got canceled. And then we went to WashU, and WashU's got a good club. I saw they're ranked top 10, so uh, deservedly so. They're a very good team. And then, uh, yeah, we went down to Springfield, Missouri, and got beat by Baptist Bible. But then, uh, then we hosted Missouri Baptist after that little run, and that's when, we, that's when we had our big victory. That's when I saw some guys kind of turn the corner and kind of start buying in to what, we, what we've been trying to get them to do.
0: Yeah, 14-point win over Missouri Baptist. You beat then uh, University of Health Sciences Pharmacy 85-72. And then you were supposed to get back into Division three play. Monmouth and Rose-Holman couldn't play that in St. Louis. So you had to wait till that Greenville game. So first off, you've got a rough start. You start to show some signs you're going to get somewhere. Then you lose some games at Christmas that you want to play. You have a month off, and as we mentioned, you get Greenville out of the gate of that. None right. of what I just said seems at all ideal in a normal year. Not even to mention it's COVID. How was that month?
9: That month was rough. We had those two games canceled right there at Christmas. Really, all I worried about the last week of December and the first week of January is getting my guys fed. That, that was it, and making sure I had everybody at practice, uh, which a lot of times there wasn't everybody at practice. But going into the Greenville game, we had had enough guys with COVID and enough guys vaccinated that we were all out of quarantine to where we went into the Greenville game pretty solid. That was after we had postponed two conference games. So, really, we postponed two, and then the Greenville okay. games. what started us. Yeah, but, I don't uh, have that on our yeah, schedule because we've made that that some was, changes. Yeah, they post, yeah, that was, that was what uh, – that's kind of what got us going is is uh, is the Greenville game. And we were lucky to have that game at home. So we got, to, we got to have that first game at home.
0: Yeah, so you get the first one at home, but it's still – it's Greenville. I mean, Doc is crazy. <laughs> he, he, he's he got the system. He's rolling with the system, or at least he was. He's struggling this year at 3-20. and But he's still going to make it challenging for you. You've got to come out of the gate, out of all of that, and play a system game, which you win 154-123. And then – Oh, by the way, two days later have to play Spalding in a non-system game, which makes it seem like you didn't even play the full game because you won 64-56. That's, that's rough by anybody's measure. But again, with that month off, you don't know what to expect.
9: I know. And the Spalding game was one that postponed. We had to get up at 5 in the morning that day, drive down there, play them at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And, you, you know, oh. did I think we were going to come out of there with a win? I, I, you know, the way we had played the MOBAB game, I just kept, I kept telling them, I kept reminding them, we can play as good as we can with anyone in the country. We just have to be at our best. And, you know, getting off a five hour bus ride at a two two in the afternoon game, I didn't know what to expect, but like I said, every time I see these guys I said, you guys keep t- making me think we're better than we are, and it was, that's kind of where that little model started and, it, and we and it's continued since all the way up to the Eureka game.
0: It caught up with you guys up against Blackburn on the road two days later, lost that 173, 72 But everything we've just talked about, that doesn't surprise me. You've won eight straight. As a result, you've won, I think it, I did, quickly did the math, uh, 12 of the last 13. Yeah. Again, what is it about the team, though, that is clicking? What is it about it that that is working, What that you're believing in so much that's got you guys playing so darn well? Our identity is our defense.
9: Uh, the the guy who was our go-to offensive guy last year uh, is now our defensive stopper. It's Anthony Jones. We've always been solid at our point guard with Caden Clark. But, you know, when you have two senior guards that have been with you for four years, you really don't have to – when you're at practice, even in the first days of practice, I told him, I said, you guys already know what we're doing everything. Why don't you guys leave practice? But what Anthony's done – is taking over the reins defensively. And now he guards, he guards the toughest player on the other team, which gives Caden a little, a, you know, a little break. He doesn't have to guard the toughest kid and play point guard for us. So if anything, that has relieved a lot of energy from him where he can concentrate more on the offensive end. And on that note, Elijah Rice has picked up the offensive end for us. Anthony's kind of taken, I don't want to say a back seat, but Believe it or not, he has become our defensive stopper and, and and really, really amazing, everybody, how well he's doing at it.
0: You essentially have five guys in double figures. Caden Clark leads the way, 15.5 points a game, five-point-some-odd rebounds, uh, five assists on top of that per contest. Uh, shoots, what, 42% from the floor, 28% from deep, 81% from the arc. I'm not sure if there's anything he doesn't do well uh eliza rice you mentioned 15.3 points a game now he shoots 48 percent from the floor uh, he also hands out three assists per contest you've got anthony jones who you mentioned 12 and a half points a game pulls down a uh five rebounds a game he also has two assists per contest and then brent wagner a sophomore, 12 points a game um and three and a half rebounds a game and there's other guys will uh solentrope we're going to count him as double figures. It's 9.9. 9. It's unfair to leave him short. It's 10 points a game in our mind. Right. 47% from the floor. The only thing those two, last two, don't do well is, is shoot free throws. Actually, Rice doesn't either. Maybe I'm giving away <laughs> the farm there. Um, but that's that seems like you mentioned, you know, Jones taking a backseat and doing another role, Rice stepping up offensively. But there's lots of guys who could step on a, up on any given night on a team that's scoring 82 points a game.
9: No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Brent Wagner, he's actually only played three games going this year. So he's actually pretty much a true freshman. Wow. But, you know, he plays like an upperclassman. I mean, he he understands the game. He understands spacing. He's getting better at defense. He's actually guarding much better now than he was at the beginning of the season. And uh, Will, Will what his first year he went to uh, up to play for Westminster, then took a year off, then uh, moved back, you know, transferred back to St. Louis and wanted to, I, I recruited him hard as a, as a senior at the Shin High School. And uh, he's found a home here at Popeye. He doesn't, we don't ask him to do a lot. We, all we ask him to do is rebound and play hard. And, uh, and then, you know, he fills that role of what we want to do. We like to score and transition. We like to get up and down the floor. And we like to play tough defense. And Will does all three of those things very well. Um, we're not a big run the set team. We're not, we don't try and individualize guys about who we want to get the ball to. We just play free. And, uh, you know, if you have, if you feel like you have a good shot, you shoot it. And that is exactly will style and, and, uh, and Brent style. They, 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 they will, they'll shoot it anytime they're open.
0: The reality is you have about
9: eight guys that'll do that.
0: Well, and, and that's certainly good. And it's good to have that depth. It's good to be on top of the conference. You got three games left in regular season. You obviously want the conference to come through you guys to force, you know, to try and win the automatic bid to the tournament. And the reality is that's the only way you guys are probably getting into the tournament. So everything's in front of you. You know, the landscape and it's a win at all costs. What's the message to the team? What do, you, what do you try and drive home in a situation like this as we, as we go to close things out on a team that you're still believing in?
9: Well, last year we had a taste of it. The good news about all this is we, were, we went to the conference tournament. We had a couple victories. We went up to Blackburn. We went in halftime. Um, we didn't make very many shots that second half. Could have done a couple of things different defensively. Um, but we had a taste of it. We got, we got to the top of that mountain. We just didn't get all the way to the top. So, it, it, you know, yes, we have home, we're have. we probably going to be hosting. We feel like we've got, a, you know, a good chance of this. But we also have that little bit of a revenge factor in, our, in the back of our minds. You know, we still are hungry. And uh, anytime we've had a team like here, that at Fontbine, we've got that little bit of hunger. Uh, we've always had a lot of success. And, and I see it every day in practice. Yeah, we we're, we're, we're rolling. We're having a good, you know, last good month. But I also, these guys are, they're looking to the future. They're, they're, they, they, they have a little bit of a, a ribbons factor. And they want to, uh they are wanting to show everybody that, that they're, that they're, that they're for real. Well, they're even certain- showing me that they're for real. Sometimes I'm even surprised.
0: Well, it seems like it. I mean, that's what jumps out at me. When I look at the slack, listen, there isn't, you know, a lot that, sh- that shines out because a lot of the. Conference seems to be down this year. We mentioned Greenville. There's others, only a couple with winning records overall. You guys are on top and you've been there. You've been, again, eight game winning streak. Clearly things are working in the right direction and things, but you also have to take advantage of your opportunities. And you seem to be taking advantage of those. I I assume it's, you got to go win the conference now and prove everything that you've done this year isn't just kind of, you know, happenstance. It's, It's for real.
9: That's right. And, and, and I would say top to bottom, I don't think the conference is down. You know, our, our bottom team is Greenville, who just beat Blackburn, who won the conference last year. True. So one, one through eight, I, I really don't think the conference is down. Now, do we have the elite top two team? No, I, I, the scary thing about our conference is number eight can beat number one. So that, that's the, I hate to say it's down, but overall, you know, talent wise, when you're picking the top 15 guys, we've probably had a more solid top 15 in previous years, but team wise, as far as who can beat who, you know, that any night, any night, any team can beat anybody in our conference. And the message moving forward is just, we, we, you know, we've got to be ready every night. And there's, there's not like we get a, an easy game coming up. We've got, we've got three games this week. And we can clinch tomorrow night, but we still have Westminster on Saturday, who beat Buena Vista and Simpson the first two games of the season at our place. So, you know, we've we like I said, we've got to be ready to play every night, no matter who it is.
0: What's it mean to you to to be running this program after being assistant for was it twenty years? What's it mean not only to be running it, but then to also get the success you're seeing?
9: Oh well, you know what we did with Coach McKinney is. Pretty much what we do now, my two assistants, one played for us in 1994 and one played for it when they, when we had the good run then, and the other one played for us in uh, the 2008 run. So the other good news is my two assistants have been on those two really, really good teams that went to the national tournament. then my other assistant was with me when I first started. So, you know, I like to say a lot of things have changed, but we run the same stuff. We we have the same uh, ideals we play probably better defense than we did back in the early 2000s and the nineties. But uh, as far as wanting to score 80, 90 points a game, all those trends are the same. And, uh, you know, Lee McKinney's name's on the court and uh, we see it every day. And then we try to, uh, we try to uh, show the alumni and keep uh, the fought by name tradition, you know, in play to where we can have success. Like we did back in, uh, like I said, in the mid mid nineties, excuse me, Mid nineties and mid two thousands.
0: Um, might be a trick question, but do you have more fun coaching basketball or coaching the golf team?
9: Oh, much more fun! Ba- you can't you can't do any substitutions in golf. In <laughs> basketball, you can kinda, you can kind of mix and match the guys that are playing good. In golf, you're kind of stuck with uh, whoever's playing good or bad that day. You kind of got to roll with it. Yeah, but, true. Uh, it's been fun, you know. I, it, it was a struggle when I first took over the program because we were down. we'd had a couple of coaching changes, and I just kept telling myself one day you keep recruiting, you keep getting out and getting these kids, you keep finding the right match with guys and bring in the right guys that one of these times it's gonna it's gonna they're gonna meet up and it's gonna it's gonna form right, and we finally found that that little mixture that's working
0: no, it definitely seems to, and it's fun to get the Griffins back on the show and talking about the success that you guys are having. I appreciate the time. I know you're busy. You've got better things to do, including getting this team ready for the future, not to mention the three games now, but the future years as well. But I appreciate the time nonetheless. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? I appreciate
9: you having me on. I know our, our guys are watching, and uh, this is a big deal for Fonpon. We don't get much national exposure. So to be able to do this, we, we, we really do appreciate it. And we just hope we can win that conference tournament and do something in that national tournament.
0: Well, happy to have you on. You deserve it. That's why you're on the show, because you guys are having a good season and you earned it. So thank you for the time. Uh, safe travels, and we'll look forward to talking about the Griffins down the road.
9: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Lance Thornhill, join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline. Again, three games left. All at home, by the way. Principia, Wentz, Spencer, and Spaulding all ahead to wrap off the conference. As he said, they win tomorrow night. They pretty much wrap up the conference uh, regular season, and we'll have everybody come through them coming up. We'll take a break. When we come back, we talk uh, more men's basketball. Plenty still ahead. You're listening to Hoop Hole, presented by D3 Hoops. Back with more after this.
8: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
3: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
1: For the love of the game. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more.
2: Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team.
1: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world.
2: Help us keep that dream alive.
1: You can make a difference.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsal on this Valentine's Day. Aunt BJ watching the show. How are you, Aunt BJ? She's a longtime fan of the show one of the reasons we Facebook uh, stream the show. By the way, we are streaming on YouTube. I was just on the wrong darn uh, behind the scenes thing. We finally got it up and rolling. So if you're watching us on youtube.com slash you don't see the whole thing, but thanks nonetheless for uh, tuning in there. Of course, you can also watch us on Facebook, as we said, facebook.com slash Lots of other ways that you can uh, join us and we hope you'll take advantage of those opportunities when you get those opportunities. Uh, if you got questions, tweet us, email us, information scroll at the bottom of your screen. As we roll along here on this Hoopsville show on Valentine's Day, a supersized show, we'll be going a full three hours. Still ahead, a couple more women's basketball teams to talk about. We'll also talk about the men's top 25. Women's top 25, we'll keep an eye on. I'm not sure if it's out yet or not, as I hit refresh to double check. It is not out yet. We'll double check on how that all turns out here later in the program. Uh, So speaking of men's basketball programs that are doing well, if you don't go down to the ASC, it's an interesting race. We've had a lot of teams down there that we've been talking about from time to time. Whether it's Mary Harden-Baylor, of course, it's getting in lots of the uh, top 25 attention. Also talk about Harden-Simmons. Texas-Dallas gets attention. ETBU certainly does. But Letourneau's standing out this season. First-year head coach James Wallace has his team at 18-4 and four overall. Uh, they were 23-6 and six in the last full campaign. But, again, in the ASC, you can kind of be hidden under a few others. But they're playing well. And thanks to circumstances that worked out in our favor, they were free tonight. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopso Hotline it's James Wallace who stepped out of practice, I may add, to join us on the show. I appreciate it, coach. First and foremost, hey, congratulations 18 yep. and 4 on the season in your first run here, 13 and 4 in conference play. You got to be thrilled with where your team is right now.
12: Yeah. It, it's it's been great. Uh, we've you know had multiple, you know long winning streaks, which has been fun to be a part of. Uh, we've had some really close games, which has has made things interesting. Uh, some buzzer beaters and uh, been on both sides of the buzzer beater uh, this season. But, um, you know, it's been a great run with a veteran team, too, which has made it, made it great. A lot of guys that um, you know, I coached as an assistant. I've been here for seven years as an assistant, first year as a head coach. So uh, to be able to do it with these guys and have them trust and, and buy into what we're doing um, has been
0: uh, pretty fun. Yeah, close finishes. Uh, you also seem to get your losses in bunches. Uh, your first two game on December 18th and 19th against um, on the road against Mary Harden Baylor, then Concordia, Texas, close games, five point loss in overtime against Mary Harden Baylor, two point loss in overtime against Concordia, Texas, sensing the, the theme. And then uh, end of January, beginning of February, you lost to Belhaven and Mary Harden Baylor um, with a win against Concordia, Texas sandwiched in between. And again, as you said, close losses. So it, it seems like you guys are playing well and just, Sometimes some bad luck, some bad bounces come your way. How do you differentiate between the losses that you of games you should have won and the losses that just didn't go your way?
12: And I think that's the testament to our conference. I mean, every night is a battle, an absolute battle, um, and especially with teams like Concordia that are going to get you up and down and, and bring a lot of pressure. You know, we, we weren't ready for that um, at the time, and you know, we grew from that and beat them the next time around, but. You know, with the games with UMHB, I mean, it's it's an absolute slugfest. And that was two great games, honestly. And, you know, one possession type games where, you know, you look at missed free throws down the stretch or, you know, little things here and there that you can nitpick at. But at the end of the day, it's it's two great teams really going at each other. Um, but, yeah, the losses, you know, were tough. and But I feel like, you know, the close games that we played are going to help us when it comes to any time
0: you got a team that's got two games left, both on the road. Interestingly enough, you're taking on UT Dallas, who's sitting in third. You guys are in second. You're then taken on Ozarks, who were the defending champs last year. And you're two games behind Mary Harden-Baylor, who I think has three to play because they're playing tonight, so we'll keep an eye on that. And you've lost twice, too. So, I mean, there's a chance that you can catch them and maybe make sure things come through Laterno. Or is it more important to just focus on you guys and just say, okay, hey, second place, whatever? We gotta get our job. We gotta get the job done, nonetheless.
12: Right. We're we're not looking. We're not watching UMHB um, right now. We're we're just uh, like you said, focusing on us and what we're doing. Uh, we want to be playing our best basketball heading into this conference tournament, and so we're our focus is on Dallas, uh, UT Dallas tomorrow. Uh, we go go there, and that's a tough place to play, and, and a great team, great coach team, and so we're we're locking in and, and getting ready for that one. Uh, we just we just win the day. Um, just focus on what we can do um, each day.
0: We're we're not watching that game either because it hasn't started yet, so uh, we'll we'll cross that bridge in a bit. Hey, real quick, let's start with you. let's back up a little bit and go with the fact that you're in your first year at, at, at LETU. Um, you were a seven year assistant under Dan Miller, so basically your eighth year, and again had to deal with COVID and everything that jumped with it along with Dan, and then. Now you're the, the winningest coach um or tied for the most wins, I guess is the right way of saying it in the program's 75 year history as a rookie head coach. You obviously got the pieces Dan gave you, but you that doesn't always work. I, I've been in that situation where all the pieces are there on a really good team and a coach takes over and it doesn't it doesn't jive, it it doesn't sink, it doesn't work. What's been what what has been the secret this year for the success you're having?
12: Um I would say I would say our leadership. Um, honestly, it's been the guys, our seniors, I mentioned, um, really buying into, to what we're doing now, granted, we haven't changed a ton, but we've changed some, um, and some things defensively and, and a few things offensively that have, um, you know, been different for them, but, uh, they bought into the culture and what we're doing, um, and what we're about. And uh, that's made that a pretty seamless transition. And, and honestly, if, if you can have, if you have your leaders and your, your top guys, if they, going to do things the right way and um, pull guys along with them it it makes um, makes that transition to the next chair up a little easier
0: certainly uh team by the way second most uh wins in conference play since joining the league uh you can tie the record if you win the next two games uh six most wins in uh school history for a season fourth since joining the ncaa and you got guys like Andrew Eberhardt who scored a thousand points, leads your team in scoring. What did I see? 20 some odd points a game to lead this. Yeah. 20.6 leads the team at 5.8 rebounds. He's third on the team. Also hands out a heck of a lot of assists. Your team does in general. We'll talk about the rest, but what's a guy like Andrew Eberhardt bring to the table?
12: Yeah. I mean, Andrew's obviously the the top scorer and the guy that gets a lot of recognition. He's had multiple 30 point games this season and the kid can flat out shoot the basketball, but he does so much more for us. Like you said, hand and out assists. Um, you know, just the way we play is very unselfish. We, we talk about uh, playing good to great. You know, we, you might have a good good shot, but we want to find a great shot. And so that's why you see that high assist total for us. And, you know, we're, we're unselfish. We understand that teams are going to try and take away a threat like Andrew, and there's been multiple teams that have tried to face guard him, and, and that's where other guys step up. You know, we have a sophomore, Deontay Jackson, who, you know, was a freshman of the year um, in our region last year. And, you know, he's averaging 19 a game and um, senior Warren Richardson, um, who's really stepped into a, a different role. You know, he came off the bench um, for three years or two years prior and, you know, was in a kind of a wing position, but uh, we kind of transitioned him into a more of a, a ball screen and role. And, you know, he's, he's really adopted that and played really well and averaging 15 a game and um, rebounding well for
0: us as well yeah we should point out uh again you pointed out that the uh, jackson and richardson double figures uh also uh richardson had the team high in rebounds and then you got kyle matthews fourth on the team in scoring th- second on in in terms of rebounding but the the assists what jump out at me eberhardt has got 65 jackson with 83 richardson with 42 67 for matthews 53 for adams Um and by the way, 36 for Jordan Pride, who we haven't mentioned about. There's a lot of guys who don't mind giving up the ball.
12: Yeah, and honestly, that's um it speaks to the the family and the brotherhood that we have and not really caring who gets who gets the score. You know, it's um it's about the team and getting that win. Um but you know, we, we talk about you know playing playing under control, and that's something that we've um grown in as the season has come along. And understanding that, you know, the defense is going to take away something, right? And we do a great job of being on balance, being under control, and finding that open guy. If they're going to help, okay, the next guy up, um, and we're going to make that extra play extra fast.
0: How how challenging is it, especially nowadays in the ASC, when you look at the fact that, you know, you've got a lot of good teams, the conference seems pretty deep. We we mentioned it off the top of the bat. Obviously, Mary Harden-Baylor leading the way. You guys are second. Harden-Simmons, who who came in looking good this season, 10-6 and six in conference play. Texas-Dallas, we always know, is a good team at 10-6. and six. ETBU, et cetera, have always been good. Saul Ross has been good in the past before. Cliff joined Mary Harden-Baylor. It's a tough conference. You guys play a lot of conference games. You don't leave a lot outside of conference to play. As a result you kind of get overlooked a little bit when it comes to regional rankings. How hard is it to, to shine, not only the fact you're in Texas, but in Division Three, a little bit?
12: <laughs> yeah, uh, you bring up a lot of great points and things that we've obviously battled for, for a long time. And um, you know, we'll, we have 20 conference games. so That only leaves us five um, to, to try and find um, good, good quality opponents in the, the non-conference schedule. And unfortunately, we can't really help our location and where we're at. Um, and so travel becomes really difficult and, um, you know, we're, we're working, we're working to try and um, get those regionally ranked games, those, those tough opponents that can help us get uh, more on that national uh, radar. Um, but like you, like you said, our conference is extremely tough and, you know, night to night, you really have to to bring it. And we got tough road trips. I mean, we got to go all the way out to Sol Ross and 10 hour bus ride. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a grind through the season to, to win especially on the road and um you know uh, we beat up on each other a lot down here in texas
0: yeah you do <laughs> unfortunately that is the case hey uh one thing that jumps out at me um whether it was raised or not i noticed um there's there's another wallace on the coaching staff a joel wallace not to be confused with james wallace aka your brother what's it like to be coaching with your brother
12: uh it is it is a absolutely a blessing and you know he's He's been great stepping in, and, um, you know, he came, came from a coaching background. We were, our dad's a coach, um, you know, and we've been around basketball all our lives, and, you know, so I know that, uh, that he was going to bring a lot of knowledge and a lot of expertise, and I'm also just a different personality. We're completely different, um, and so, you know, he brings something to the table that I, that I can't, and the guys have really responded to that, and, um, you know, I also know that he's going to have my back. And so going into my first season and, you know, my first time as a head coach, I couldn't have thought of anybody better uh, to bring it into my
0: assistant. Uh, He's running practice right now, right? He is. Is that a good thing? Should we let you go? Do you have to make sure nothing's getting fouled up?
12: I I think he's got it under control. It's his scout this week. So uh, he's he's got it.
0: (laughs) So in other words, if they lose, it's his fault.
12: (laughs) I wasn't going to say that.
0: Uh, I know, but I did. Hey, um... Again, really good season for a program that has been quietly kind of around. And we talk about Letourneau. We talk about uh, the team over the last few years. But again, the Mary Harden, Baylors, the Sol Rosses, and others have seemed to outshine you guys a little bit. And, and sometimes that's okay for a program. They don't mind if others get any attention. Is there an evolutionary step here now for you guys that it's time to step through and, and become this, the light of the ASC? Or... And when might that? When might we see that happen?
12: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's something that we've we've been pushing for. Um, we would love to be in that that conversation year after year. And you know, like I like I mentioned, you know that that comes with trying to play different teams, trying to get out of our area a little bit and um, get on that national radar. But um, you know, that's a push from our administration as well. You know, letting Laterno getting the name of Laterno University um, out there so, you know, we feel like we can be a big part of that. And so, you know, we're, we're going to continue to push. And um, honestly, just we, we can't control um, everything, but, you know, we can, we can control um, each game. And, and you know, hopefully people start tuning in and watching uh, some good basketball down here in Texas.
0: Well, hey, James, appreciate the time. Uh, would love to talk more. But I know, A, you got to make sure your brother's not running them too much ahead of tomorrow's game. Uh, but also a lot of other things you got to take care of, so I appreciate the time you took. Obviously, big two games coming up on the road. Uh, We wish you luck. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in?
12: Oh, just uh, I know my family's tuned in, so that's exciting. Uh, Love love every one of you. Um, And, Dave, I just want to thank you for all you do for for Division III um, and just uh, the game of basketball. And so there's some great basketball being played all over the nation. Um, And especially down here
0: in Texas, I want to thank you for bringing us on. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. It's a lot easier when you get people like yourself willing to come on the show uh, and let us ask us dumb questions. So we appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Good luck down the road. And uh, we'll look forward to to talking about uh, the team down the road as well. All right. Thanks, Dave. Awesome. James Wallace joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline, apparently presented by Down the Road. That's stuck in my head. Again, at Texas Dallas and University Ozarks coming up in the next two games before getting into conference play. We'll see how that all plays out. Probably going through Mary Hart and Baylor, but you never know. That's why we play the games. We'll keep an eye on the Mary Hart and Baylor score as well. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk women's basketball, but we'd be remiss if we uh, didn't go to break without quickly mentioning the NABC, which, of course, is the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, coaches working to further the best interests of the game of basketball and coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division Three coaches who impact our game, for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, head to nabc.com.
1: By NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world.
2: Help us keep that dream alive.
1: You can make a difference.
3: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
1: I got the presidential scholarship which was huge for me.
4: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III.
1: I didn't receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
3: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
4: Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one I'm breaking that cycle and and now that I've graduated I'm not sure what's the next step but I know I have a lot of doors open and a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue along
0: on what is a supersized edition of the show, we've still got another hour plus ahead of us. And switch into gears and talk women's basketball for a couple more guests before we then jump back into men's basketball with a Top 25 breakdown. Men's new Top 25 has been out for a few hours. Women, we're still waiting for the final um, details to get put together, and we'll get that one to you as soon as we see it. Um, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. All that information scroll at the bottom of your screen. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live simulcasting the show. You're always welcome to join us there. We're also on um, YouTube.com, live simulcasting, youtube.com slash Hoopsville as well. A little late getting that one up and running, but we are there. So there you go. Uh, women's top 25 last week had this team number seven. I, I honestly am not sure if they'll go up or down. The men's chaos has kind of taken over my head versus the women's chaos in the top 25, but they're 22-2 and two overall, 12-1 and one in conference play. Their two losses this season came to Carroll in non-conference play on New Year's, and Eau Claire, who certainly has had a good season this year, though, has stumbled of late. Uh, they are now 17-7, and seven, having lost uh, their last two and three or their last five, but still a pretty good team. Um, but this squad is six wins in a row, and what is it? 11 of their last 12? Because they're dominating the the Wyack. I, I almost chuckle because the, the men is so all over the place. I expected the women to be too, but if you look at the women's standings in the Wyack, it's Whitewater and then everybody else. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk all about it and humor me especially. Uh, and enjoy our time. It is Kerry carello head coach of the Whitewater Warhawks, seventh ranked as of now. The ranking might change later. Warhawks team, coach, thanks for taking the time. Good to see you.
6: Good to see you, Dave. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I'm. I guess maybe I wasn't paying attention. I, I don't know. I, I'm more used to the women's WIAC being. Um, well, it's always competitive. I, even now, it's competitive. I don't mean it that way. But you guys are on top at 12, 22 and two overall, twelve and one in conference play. Stout is second, thirteen and nine, eight and four. O'Clair seventeen and seven, eight and five. I'm used mm-hmm. to Oshkosh being in this conversation. I'm used to Stevens Point being in this conversation. It it does. What, what has allowed you guys to basically walk away from the rest of the conference this season?
6: Well, it definitely has not been easy. Let's say that. Um, the conference from top to bottom this year, I think is probably the best it's been in a while. Um, you know, I think that some of the teams have been riddled with COVID issues, injuries, you know, we're all managing so many things. And so I think timing so much this year has been a big factor and. Um, who you play, when you play, where you play. And for us, it seems to have just fallen into place. And so we've been very fortunate in that regard. And um, thankfully, our team had was hit with COVID fairly early. Um, and we were able to still form a team for a couple games and had one coach left that was able to coach. Uh, and, you know, we've just all, all of us in our entire conference have really just tried to figure it out. I mean, it's been unbelievable year and I will say this conference again this year, um, just unbelievable talent. Um, so many different looks from so many different teams. So to pull away the way that we did is actually just an amazing accomplishment for this, for this team that I have this year, because again, this conference is extremely tough.
0: Well, yeah, and that's why I said I didn't want to say it wasn't competitive because we know it's competitive, and obviously Eau Claire has shown signs of having a good season, so has Stout. And and I know that at any given night in the WIAC, someone's going to get a victory. It just seemed odd to see you guys so much further ahead than everybody. So then the question becomes, is it because you're so good and everyone just isn't at the same level despite being competitive or, as you point out, a lot of other challenges? How have you guys as a team gotten through what has been, obviously, a challenge last year in general, and then this year it continuing, but at the same time being able to get back to playing?
6: Well, I think a lot of it is just conversation on how we're going to deal with adversity, and I'm sure you've probably heard this a thousand times from different coaches is um, just a lot of trying to teach young people how to manage multiple things. You know, it's so different than it was three, two years ago, three years ago, you know, really just um, it's not just about basketball anymore. It's about, you know, how am I going to manage dealing with being sick and coming back from that and still feeling like I'm a part of the team and feeling like it's a collective effort. I mean, there's just so many other dynamics that we have to deal with on the daily basis. So, um, you know, I think as coaches, we really are just working hard to really balance out not only the X's and O's, but also the mental health and the aspects that are so much out of our control. And as coaches, I think we all have lost a lot of sleep over all of this and it's been very stressful. Um, But I think, you know, we're all trying to do what's best for our student athletes and make sure that we put them in situations where they're healthy, they're happy, they're feeling good about what they're doing and just really pushing through all these uncontrollable aspects of their lives and trying to teach them life skills through all of it, and then figuring out how to win games. Um, so thankfully I'm very blessed this year with a great staff again and great players. We have a very mature team. Uh, we have great leadership. So I think all of those aspects really have kind of separated us, I guess, from the rest of the pack.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting breakdown of, of how that's happened. Um, Again, you guys are outstanding up top. You're 22 and two. You started the season with a win over Calvin by t- by 10. Um, you dominated some really good teams this season. You beat Illinois Wesleyan 75 43. Um, you got Center 94 38 down in Daytona Beach before losing the second game, uh, which is another part of the story this season uh, of games that you just never know when they're going to be played or if they will be played. You've had some tough games in conference. We shouldn't. Push that aside. You had an overtime game against Oshkosh, a double overtime game uh, against Stevens Point. Uh, Those games have been tight. Lacrosse was a two-point game most recently. Mm -hmm. Um, The interesting thing is Stout wasn't. Stout was uh, basically a 30-point game in the long run. This team feels like it's got a little bit of a resilience to it to some degree. Can you dive in on what's made it so special?
6: I would say our leadership for sure. I mean, we have two fifth-year seniors on our team that really have led this group from start to finish. Um, They're very mature. They have a very clear understanding of what their goals were from the very beginning. And they really have done just a fantastic job of really pulling everyone together and getting them to understand that it's more about the, the big picture and less about what's happening on the daily basis. So Um, I've really been able to challenge this team probably more than others. They are very, very resilient. They handle constructive criticism very well, and they, um, definitely have goals in them within themselves. You know, you always hope as coaches that they kind of buy into what our goals are, but they definitely have set their own, which is, um, very unique. You know, I've been coaching for a long time and, um, this group is definitely very unique in that way. So, um, and I think it, it all comes down to our philosophy, which we've had from, you know, the time I first started coaching at Whitewater is just an unselfish perspective of basketball. You know, are we going to sell out for the collective group and um, not only on the offensive end and sharing the basketball, but defensively as well. And so we've really relied a lot on our defense. If you look at our scores, there's some games where um, we really struggle to score, you know, we have stretches, five, six minutes where we can't hit a bucket. So we always talk about how we can always lean on our defense and rely on our rebounding. And so that's something we constantly preach. And I think this team is really bought into that.
0: Um, Let's talk about the team individually. Uh, But first off, huge roster. Not that that's shocking at a state (laughs) school, but obviously with COVID, a larger roster than I'm used to. You've used up a lot of the numbers you're allotted. Um, You've got a few more in case anybody is curious. Um, but I mean, to get everybody playing time has got to be tough, but I look at your stats and you're willing to go deep on this bench with this team. I I, obviously that's an earned right. And that's got to be relief this late in the season to still be able to do that.
6: Yes. And it, and you're exactly right. I mean, to be able to play at least 10 or 11 players is so important for us because of how we play. I mean, we're a full court team. We're not playing half court basketball. So to be able to have fresh legs, make sure that we can um, be resilient for 40 minutes and not let up um, is super important. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a team that is definitely willing to um, sacrifice minutes for the good of the group. And so us being able to stay healthy, play deeper into our bench is something that we have always really tried to get our teams to buy into so then we can make a run late in the year. And that's, uh, that's our goal. And I feel like, um, ultimately, we want to be playing our best basketball right now. And I feel like we finally I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like we finally have our rotations where we want them. Um, Because of COVID and injuries and things like that, we kind of were had some setbacks, but I feel like we're kind of in a really good place right now. And um, thankfully, I think it's happening at the right time.
0: Um, Grundahl, uh, Alea Grundahl, a junior, six foot forward from, from DeForest is leading the team and, and basically doubled up anybody else. 16.8 points a game, 4.4 rebounds a game. Um, certainly hands out the ball plenty of times. Shoots 52%, and which is, is staggering. Uh, really good from the free throw line as well. Tell me a little bit about her game. Because when you look statistically, obviously it's a team game, but She's twice as many points as anybody else.
6: Yeah, she's really carried us in some big games. Um, she she can do it all. She can score in the low post. She can hit the mid range. She can um, shoot threes now, which we asked her to really add that to her game after her freshman and sophomore years. So um, she's really she's really carried this team in a lot of different situations. The Other thing that's great about her is she's a great passer. Um, She really is a great distributor of the ball, especially out of the high post. Um, She's seeing a lot of double teams now and sometimes triple teams in our posts or in our conference. So she's able to now read and react to those where when as a freshman, she was always a little kind of caught off guard by those situations. But she's gotten stronger. Um, The great thing about her, too, is that she is just smart. I mean, she knows basketball sometimes she surprises me. She'll come at me with things. I'm like, Aaliyah, really? How did you see that? <laughs> so she's impressive. I mean, she comes from a basketball family. Her coaches are both parents. Our, our parents are both coaches, excuse me. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's it's really cool to have a player on our team that can bring that aspect to the game as well, not only just physically, but mentally. And so um, she's smart. She knows when to leak out and get easy transition baskets. And, um, that's not something I will take any credit for. That's all her basketball IQ. Um, and she's just a, a pleasure to coach. She's a great person. She's always energetic and laughing and smiling and having fun and has a great attitude. She's a great team player. I mean, I could go on and on. She's just, um, a blessing to coach. And, um, I'm so happy that she's a part of our program.
0: Uh, Again, 16.8 points a game and 52% from the floor, not to be outdone. Of course, Rebecca Schumacher, uh, 8.6 points a game, 2.6 rebounds a game, hands out quite a fair amount of assists, shoots 32% from floor. More of your outside threat at 32% from outside, Mm -hmm. takes the most shots from out there as well. Uh, Joanna Taylor, another inside presence, 47 blocks to lead the team, 7.1 rebounds to lead the team, shoots uh, 46% from the floor, Uh, unfortunately not the best free throw shooter, but I've I've seen that a lot this year. She's not unique. Um, And then others, obviously, that contribute on this squad. But those two where you've got that inside-outside to complement Grundahl, just that trio alone, you've got to be pretty thrilled on, on the options it gives you and the threats it gives other defenses.
6: Yes, and always to make sure that we have that balanced attack. I mean, we want to make sure we're really strong in the post, but our perimeter is just as important um, we have to be able to knock down shots when we need to. We've seen we've seen teams play zone. We've seen teams not guard some of our guards. They'll sag off eight, 10 feet even. Um, and so we just continue to instill confidence in those players that they can knock down those shots from the perimeter. So it really opens up our post game. And um, we've always been preaching that from the beginning of our of our program when I first took over is that we can't just be one dimensional. We have to have a balanced attack especially in this conference um, this conference has definitely gone kind of a little bit away from the post game. It's much more perimeter oriented. So we have to be able to not only attack in that situation, but we also have to be able to defend. So we ask our six foot three girl to go out and guard on the perimeter, uh, you know, where at first, you know, when she started doing it, she wasn't really excited about that, but now she's really bought into that and realizes the benefits of it Uh, because we just have so many great teams in our conference that really utilize their players the best that they can. So we have to be able to defend that as well. But um, our balanced attack is something we always have taken a lot of pride in. Rebecca is amazing. She has no, she doesn't hold anything back. When she has an open look, she's going to knock it down or take a quick shot. So it's fun to be able to coach players that really have no hesitation and are just really aggressive. And um, are gonna shoot when they shoot, shoot or shoot, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're supposed to at least. yes.
6: Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: otherwise we're taking the moniker away. Um, well, you've got f- 12 or bleh, I'll try that again. seven players who are six foot listed six foot or taller. You got 12 who are listed five, ten or taller. So as you talk about, while some of the other conference mates are going to a smaller look, you've still got that size inside and be honest to go up against the hopes. To go up against the former Oshkoshes, um, in, in at least what Brad's had in the past years, to go up against some of the top teams in Division Three, even what GP puts out there in Amherst, you got to have yeah. some inside play. As much as things have changed, that's got to give you a little bit of confidence and a little bit of a leg up, kind of heading towards what we know is now the postseason part of the season.
6: Yes, for sure. I mean, I think about over the years, some of the great post players that we played against and Hope and Amherst and I would say Williams has had some great post players over the years. I mean, I think about all of those. And um, so I guess some of my experience and being able to play in some of those situations in the NCAA tournament has really helped me with really developing our program so that we know that when we get into, hopefully get into postseason play um, that we're prepared. I mean, I even think back to George Fox. I mean, they had some just phenomenal teams with yeah. just great post play and just super athletic guards. And um, so I looked at those different situations and I was like, man, we got to get those pieces. If we really want to make a run, um, in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, you can't take away from the guard play. The guard play is so important. I think about Illinois Wesleyan with Olivia Lett, you know, yeah. when they made their run, you know, some just great guard, big guard play is so important as well. So, um, you know, as, as a division three school, you know, we're always looking to root, recruit those type of players. We don't always get them, but um, we're always trying to find ways to really just again, have that balanced look so we can compete on that national level.
0: Um you're a former committee member, committee chair. We've had many conversations, not via video, unfortunately. <laughs> it would have been more fun with video. Um, but you know what's at stake. You understand the dynamics.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously, regional rankings came out without the numbers, but you kind of understand where you sit. You understand the landscape. So what do you tell the team here? Is there any message of, hey, we're in a good position? We don't want to overexert. We don't want to overpush ourselves so we're not ready for March? Or is the question, or is the statement the other? Hey, we might be okay, but tomorrow could end everything. We still mm-hmm. got to play a hundred percent, one hundred and ten percent, even.
6: Yes, I think the message is, um, you know, I talked to them today in practice. It's there's nothing's a guarantee, and I think that that's the challenge of being in a situation that we're in with such a great conference and so many teams playing so well. Is that there really is no guarantee? I mean, I I think there's at least four teams in our conference that could easily win the conference tournament without a doubt. So it's just all about who gets hot at the right time. And, um, you know, I think even our game on Wednesday against Oshkosh is so important, you know, not only just because we want to finish the season the way that we want to, but it really is a way for us to just continue to grow and play well going into the conference tournament. So, um, Division three is so challenging because there's very little room for error. Uh, we talk about that a lot, like very little room for error. There's very few, auto, you know, um, not autos, but at large bids. So um, we don't want to make a mistake. There can't be any hiccups along the way. So we just have to continue to play solid basketball and we want to be playing our best. So let's not take any day for granted. As we know, we've, you know, most teams have been saying that a lot because of COVID, you know, after last year. So we're not going to take anything for granted. We're going to get ready for Oshkosh on Wednesday, and then we're going to get ready for the conference tournament and then see what happens after that.
0: Before I let you go, um, we were checking the roster. Uh, There's this player, fifth on the team in scoring. Um <laughs> Leads the team in rebounding. I didn't
6: know where you're going with this. Um,
0: has quite a few assists. Even some blocks. Shoots 35% from the, the floor, 33% from outside the arc, 78% from the free throw line. Not too bad. Um, I, what many don't realize is your husband's an assistant, and you've <laughs> truly made this a family affair because yes. the freshman I'm talking about is Casey Carolo, And because yes. Chris is really good at his job, He made sure we got a picture of KC at the 2008 Uh final four, which we put on air. You can't see it, but it's there with mom and dad. What's it like to have your daughter who's been at your side the whole time now with you and really uh, just the other day, helping cutting down the net of a conference regular season championship.
6: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I, you know, it's hard to put into words and she's having a great freshman year, which makes it even better. Um, But she's, She's been awesome to coach. She is, you know, she is a player. She's like knows everything before I'm going to say it half the time, which is a challenge, but um, she's been great and she is so excited. She's so happy being a part of our program. I think that's one thing as not only a mom, but as a coach, like it's, ha- it's good to see that your players are happy and she is definitely happy with where she's at and And she enjoys her teammates a ton and her teammates have really embraced her, which is a big piece of the puzzle. But um, I know I'm not the only one. I know Coach Morehouse at Hope has his daughter on the team, too. And, um, you know, I've had some colleagues across the country, you know, give me some advice. So I appreciate that. But um, it's been awesome. I can't say enough about having the chance to be able to have her a part of our program. She literally started out in our gym. She was three months old in a stroller in our gym. <laughs> so to be able to cut down nets with her and um, have her in a Warhawk uniform is, uh, is pretty special.
2: I hate to
0: say this, but I feel like I kind of remember that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's tough. It might be tough for you, but it's really starting to get tough for me. Um, but that must've been a really hard recruiting pitch.
6: Yeah, no, well, it kind of was, it was very weird. Um, she had some scholarship opportunities and, you know, as parents were in the back of our minds hoping, Oh, please just come to.
3: Whitewater. Right. It's a lot but, easier.
6: <laughs> yeah. But we, you know, we explored all of those opportunities. We told her it was her choice. You know, I think she um, she knew that if she came here, it would be a culture that she was accustomed to that she knew she could be successful in she liked the way that we play um the style of play that we have and then you know the the degree that she was looking at fit so um I think it was kind of a no-brainer but she did kind of drag it out for a bit <laughs> and she Revenge. definitely tried to make Joe and I panic a little bit you know but at the end of the day she decided to come and we were pretty
0: happy. <laughs> if I had been in her shoes, I would have been the type who would have called Shirley or Brad yeah <laughs> and totally got him in on the game
6: right <laughs> and gotten
0: something to go, hey mom may, uh, Shirley Egner just called me I, I might go to point. I don't uh, know.
6: Yeah. That would not have been good.
0: <laughs> but it would
6: have been uh, nothing funny. against Shirley. She's a great coach and has a great program, but um no. <laughs> hey
0: mom, I just got a call from I might go to Oshkosh.
6: Oh uh, yeah. No. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is that you know she's grown up in our house with all with joe and i and how competitive we are so she she already knew like oh i can't go to oshkosh i can't go to point and my parents would See, never that let made
0: me that want to down. do it more <laughs> i would have so wanted to do that
13: uh, oh, yeah been so. fun. well
0: it's a true family affair now for the warhawks women's team and you guys are obviously doing well her first year two losses on the season your 20th right this is your 20th season
6: yeah 20 years at whitewater
0: does i can't believe it doesn't seem that I long know.
6: No, it really doesn't.
0: <laughs> hey, Coach, I appreciate the time. Always love chatting with you. Congratulations on a on a dynamic season. Thank um, you, Dave. By the way, quick question on Casey: if she needs to be disciplined or if she does something wrong, is it do you and Joe do like rock paper scissors or? <laughs> yeah.
6: No, it's usually me. <laughs> it's yeah. usually me. I'm so the tough can guy. So it be daddy's girl.
0: Yeah, I get it. Yes, yeah. he.
6: Yes, she definitely is. And you know, it's funny growing up. Like those two were super tight or still are super tight and he he was her coach but um finally now i get to i get to be her coach so that's kind of cool
0: honey this i I taught your dad everything he knows come to me (laughs) hey i really appreciate the time thanks for having some fun with us as well as always give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuned in
6: Yeah. Just appreciate all that you do, Dave. I mean, this has been a long time that you guys have been doing this and, you know, supporting division three basketball and well, all sports has just been incredible. So thank you for all you and your staff does to help just get the word out about what um, all these men and women can do from a division three perspective and how talented they are. Um, It's just phenomenal. So thank you so much. And I hope you guys continue for years and years on. Um, to get the word out and supporting Division Three athletics.
0: Well, thank you. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Obviously, there isn't a much left in the regular season, but there's a lot on the line. We know. Uh, en- enjoy it. Say hello to to, to uh, Oshkosh for us and and tell them. You know, they had a chance at Casey. If I had anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah.
6: Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Dave.
0: Will do. Absolutely. Take care. <laughs> Carrie Corrella joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, on the road at Oshkosh. They've wrapped things up. The regular season title is theirs. Everybody's got to come through them in conference play. But obviously, still a lot on the line with a game at Oshkosh. Uh, and then in the conference play, um, or conference tournament play, uh, will be fascinating. I think it's a good race. She makes a good point. It is still competitive there, even if everybody's not having the maybe the breakout season numbers-wise that we're used to. It's still a tough conference. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk one more women's basketball team, then talk top 25. When we come back, we talk women's basketball with Vassar. We head up to New York with a first-year head coach up there out of California. Well, we'll explain. You listen to Hoops So presented by D3Hoops.com. Back
4: with more after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can.
6: To get a friend home safe.
7: To
4: never blame the victim.
6: It's on us.
7: To stand up.
2: To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on
4: us. To look out for each other at parties.
2: It's on us. To be more than just a bystander.
7: To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us.
2: To To stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. Learn how
6: and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
4: Football has taught me a lot throughout my life.
8: There are over 480,000 college athletes, only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs, no private jets, no fan clubs, no Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Okay. Oh, oh.
0: There we go. Sorry for the pregnant pause. Fat finger to button there. Uh, anyway, we're rolling along. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville. Hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. Last I say checked. Just my aunt chimed in there, but good to hear from her. Um, we're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash hoopsville. No one chatting there, but that's fine. I know there's some of you tuned in. We appreciate you taking the time to do that as well. Plenty of you watching the show live. If you're watching it on demand or listening to the podcast, we appreciate that as well. We try and give you as many avenues as we can to enjoy the program. All right, so let's talk women's basketball for at least one more segment. If you haven't checked out things in New York, there's a lot of good women's teams up there that are making some hay. In the Liberty League, usually the attention is stolen by Ithaca, as we're used to. We also talked to St. Lawrence earlier this season. The team on top of the conference at 15-1 and one is Vassar. They're a 16-6 and six on the season uh, under first-year head coach Anthony Mason. The Cal State Long Beach grad has got this program clicking along. Vassar is a team that will sometimes not be on our radar and sometimes is, and they most certainly are right now after building off of what was a 19-8 campaign in 2020 and a 21-7 and campaign in 2019. Got me kind of intrigued on what might be going up there in Poughkeepsie. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned Anthony Mason. Talk about his Vassar squad. First and foremost, sir, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to uh, Poughkeepsie. Not that I am the welcoming committee or anything, uh, but congratulations on the first year uh, of the season.
7: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on the show.
0: I'm not sure what first year of the season means, but we'll go with it here in the third hour. And no, I have barely drank any of my wine. That's not the excuse. Um, also thanks on Valentine's day to join us. Hey, listen again, uh, we'll we'll talk about how you got there in a minute, but you're up a half game here on Ithaca, a team that you, um, have a game with coming up. You got William and Smith next coming up here on, what is it? Is that Friday? And then Ithaca Saturday. Is that right? Correct. So obviously big games to come, but you already kind of have them a little bit. You beat them earlier this season back on the third of December 71-64, Seventy-one, sixty-four. But as we all know, a lot has changed since then. Going into this weekend, half-game lead in the conference, chance to have everybody come through Poughkeepsie—is that a lot of pressure? Or are you guys playing with house money at this point?
7: I mean, I think, to be honest with you, I think we're playing with house money. Uh, we're excited for it, and we've been excited for the challenge all year. I mean, as you could tell, we started out with a pretty gruesome preseason. Yeah, we were going
0: to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
7: preseason schedule and even then we were up to the challenge and so I mean to be honest with you I don't think anyone had us pick for first uh this year coming up and so uh my young women are just they're stoked for the challenge and they're excited for it
0: so what's interesting is you got Ithaca on December on December 3rd you got that win but what's even more interesting is that ended a five game slide to start the season you were 0 for 5 going into that game you'd lost to Smith not to be confused with William Smith. We're talking about the one in New England. You'd lost to Tufts. You'd lost to Williams. You'd lost to Springfield. you lost to NYU. In in the grand scheme of things, by the way, you lost to the, the leaders of the New Mac. You had lost to the top team in the in the NESCAC. You had lost to a team that many thought would be battling in the NESCAC. You had lost to a team that was undefeated in the New Mac is now second in the new Mac. And you'd lost to a team that had been undefeated for much of the season and on top of the UAA. In reality, that's a brutal start. But you're still zero and five and get the win over Ithaca. That that feels like a turning point after what you said was a rough start.
7: It was. I mean, it was. We were battling some injuries early on. Uh, We weren't healthy. Uh, A couple of those first five games. I'm be honest with you, we played with seven people, and so. We were, we were, we were, we were battling through, uh, and so, uh, in that game, uh, we just, we knew we had it at home. Our seniors were excited for it. We had, we got some people healthy, uh, for that game and we were just excited for it. And I think that first win really did just kind of give us the confidence. We knew we were knocking at the door of something special, but that was that first time we got, we got a peek inside and, uh, haven't really looked back since.
0: Well, the Smith game was a 25-point loss, and the NYU game was a 20-point loss, but the other ones were tight. I mean, 10 points against Tufts, three points against Williams, and eight points against Springfield. So even if you were playing players short, you had to have thought, geez, if we're playing this quote-unquote well, despite the challenges and limitations, we might have something here, but obviously it takes a win to get that. So yeah, you get the Ithaca win, but it still takes another win. Okay, now, now you beat William Smith and then you beat Union, and then you beat Clark, and now it's a streak, and now you you've got something building here, but at what point did you guys kind of turn and go, oh, no, we do have something here?
7: You know, I'm... This one, I'm going to give credit to young women in our locker room. Uh, They thought they've had ultimate confidence in themselves from the beginning. And I mean, so it was nice when the win started reflecting that confidence that they had in themselves and that we as coaches had in them. But it was something that they they had in them from the beginning. They knew it was there and they knew we were just uh, like like I said, they knew we were knocking on the door. And then as we just kept winning, I mean, to be honest with you, we've just kept that same hungry mentality from the beginning. And they've they've stayed hungry uh, throughout. And so it's been great.
0: Since then, one loss, January eighth against Saint Lawrence, ninety nine, eighty one, kind of reminiscent of those other two, in a game that wasn't close, mm-hmm. but you you got that one back, 74-61, 10 or twenty days later. What is it? I used to, you talk about the team being confident, the team feeling good about themselves, but a seventeen point loss to Saint Lawrence can derail everything. Uh, you you can come out of that going, geez, what has happened? We don't know how what we got more questions than we have answers. How does, how does the ship get righted so quickly?
7: Oh, for us. I mean, to be honest, that was that game. We were still trying to get back in shape for our Christmas break. I mean, if you we're we're playing at a pretty fast pace. And so we're trying to, we were trying to get our lungs back uh, from playing at a pretty fast pace and we didn't quite have our lungs back there. Uh, and we knew that. We knew we knew that was one that got away from us. And we knew that when we were at full steam and we were going full, we knew we could be able to make that a game. And uh, I actually, to be honest with you, for the St. Lawrence game, I actually had to step away for some medical stuff. And uh, our assistant coach stepped up, uh, J.J. Hofstein and our young women played incredible uh, while I was taking care of that.
0: That certainly uh, challenges galore in general nowadays. As you, you know, we, we we talk about COVID. You guys had a month off, we should also point out, because you said getting your lungs back. Your previous game was December 7th against Union. Then you played Clark on the 5th of January. I'll admit, I don't know if there were any games that were scheduled prior to that and got postponed. Schedules change. Sometimes we lose track of that. And sometimes there's schools like yourselves that are just going to have that period of time off. So yeah, I can understand getting the lungs back. Um, but there are also distractions on top of that. How important has the season been And on top of that, a a good season been to the team, considering everything that everyone's having to deal with.
7: I I think just having a season of being able to play and compete has been exceptionally uh, special. Uh, And I think that's for everybody. And I think uh, our young women understand that and they're grateful for every time they get to come out and compete. Uh, And they just they continue to show that gratitude uh, every time they come out and how they respect the game and respect our opponents.
0: Um let's talk about the team kind of individually as it were. Uh you've got two players leading the way in uh Danny Douglas and Sarah Gillolly, right? Gillolly? It is Glo, okay, Glully. Yeah, I overthought that completely. Um first and second on the team at points 15 th- 15.3, 13.4. Um in the top 10 in in conference scoring as well. Douglas by the way, leader in in three-point shooting, three-point field goals per game uh Gluly leads the team in, or leads the conference in assists and assists to turnover ratio that's a heck of a little little duo you got going there
7: yeah i mean they they're exceptional there are two seniors uh they they play really well uh they come in every day uh they lead by example uh they they get their job done in it they, they play at such so hard and at such a high level and i mean you mentioned sarah leading in assist uh we have Eliza, who's our second point guard on the court, who's often guarding a center on the other end and then helping bring up the ball, <laughs> bring up the ball, uh, who's who's second and assists, right behind her at three point nine. I mean, to be honest with you, with those three on the court uh, and there, there are three captains, those those three captains just kind of leading us and and making sure that we play at a certain tempo and making sure we play with a certain amount of grit uh, has been has been such a blessing for me as a coach.
0: This squad, again, play outside of those two, there's stuff that jumps out at me. First off, we just got done talking to Mer- the Wisconsin Whitewater. Huge roster. Countless players. We didn't even do a final total, but they're running out of numbers. You guys have only played 10 this year. Uh, I'm double-checking. You have 11 on the roster. So you've only, you got a very short roster in comparison. Maybe not surprising. Not everybody can go to Vassar a fifth, sixth, maybe seventh year. But at the same time, not a lot of depth, and you're still playing well. So there's a a lot riding on everyone's shoulders. Everyone's got to buy in. Not to mention, in fact, new head coach. So everything's also a little bit different. There's a lot going on here to have this kind of success that speaks volumes.
7: Yeah, it it does. It does speak volumes. Uh, It speaks volumes of our assistant coach, JJ, who was here uh, through the transition. He was here from Coach Lou previously. He helped uh, as I came in and it speaks to uh, these young women. And like you said, uh, having such a small roster uh, really puts uh, a lot of pressure on them and they come out and they compete and and they play with it and they play hard and that they get after it i mean and that's from one through 11 uh even uh, one of our young women who hasn't been able uh to play yet because of injury what she gives to us in practice what she gives to us in terms of bench energy just locked in every moment and that and that's that's one through 11 consistently locked in ready to go
0: Uh, again uh douglas leads the team followed by gluli julia harvey i should mention also in double figures at 11.7 points per game uh, Alex Lee at 8.4. Uh, Emily Tinshirt at 7.4. Everybody scores. Uh, you, yeah. you even go down to the, the one who's scoring the least, and Tosh uh, Thompson on average is 2.6. And Ashley uh, Mostrom, who's played in four games, is at 3.8. Everyone gets their points. There, there's clearly something that clicks there for a team that scores 70 points a game and allows 61 and, and three quarters. Again, not a lot of roster there that's that's impressive sometimes there's just a top dominant kind of scoring and then everybody else kind of just picks up the crumbs feels like everybody contributes
7: yeah absolutely and i mean i think that's one of the things that uh, we pride ourselves in is that everybody contributes everybody can get hot uh from any night uh you had just this last weekend you had our freshman uh, tova had 22 points uh in the first half uh, just, wow. yeah, yeah, it just got off. And I mean, I think that's one of the beauties of our team and how we're made up is that really anybody can go off on any night. Uh, and so it makes us really tough to guard. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and I think that's, that's one of the blessings.
0: Uh, again, you took over in June, 2021, so they didn't have a lot of time to change or, uh, to, to get used to it. And you weren't there during their toughest time in, in terms of COVID. And and so there had to have been a little bit of a, uh, of uh, getting to know each other and trust in each other a little bit, because you you hadn't been there when they had been through some tough stuff, but you you also were bringing in kind of a new mentality. You don't have a lot of players. How do you get them to buy in?
7: I think uh, to be honest, we sat down and had a, just had a conversation about uh, from from my interview process on. I knew that they wanted to be able to get up and down. They wanted to play. Uh, I thought playing fast was going to be our best option. Mm. Uh, I thought playing fast was gonna be our best option. So it was really us sitting down together and figuring it out and, and figuring out what worked best for us as a team. And we've kind of hammered some stuff out throughout. Uh, but we but I kind of had a framework going in and it was seemed to be one that they they wanted to play and that they were excited for. Uh I mean, 52% of our, our field goal attempts are three pointers. Uh that's and so we're, you know, uh so we're getting up and down and we're able to play. And like I said, I think that happens because. We have a team full of guards, and so, of course, they want to be able to get up and down. Uh, and so bringing in that style of play, it wasn't – I don't think it was a hard sell uh, for, for a team full of guards.
0: We should point out you came in again on June 21st to Poughkeepsie. The only thing that is common from where you came from is the P. You were an assistant coach under a friend of ours uh, of ours on the program, Kristen Dowling, at Pepperdine. Yes. Listen, this is no shot at pep- at At Poughkeepsie. This is no disrespect to upstate New York, which I know well. But I've been to Pepperdine. I've seen the view. I feel like you were lost. Like maybe you didn't understand not everywhere in the country has that view of the Pacific Ocean from wherever you are on campus.
7: You know? And
0: and you threw a dart and you ended up in upstate New York and you were like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm kind of stuck here. No, really. Tell us how you got to Poughkeepsie, New York. You know,
7: uh, I mean, one—I'll say this. Yes, Pepperdine has a gorgeous view. Oh, it's but
0: insanely
7: gorgeous. It's—but it's, I will tell you that Basser's actual campus, the greenery on his campus, uh, is incredibly gorgeous. So I always say I've—I've I've been blessed to work at a school with the most gorgeous view, and just the most gorgeous college campus came right after it.
3: That's cool. Uh, but.
7: I I really ended up in uh, in this area. This was more of a family move for us. Uh, I love my time uh, with Coach Kristen. She's I'm lucky enough to be able to call her a friend. Uh, Known her since we were fourteen. Wow. So yeah, so we went to high school together. So I've I've known her forever. See, I
0: knew the connection because you were a longtime assistant of hers at Claremont-Mudd-Scripps.
7: Yes, but But I didn't realize
0: it went further back. Yeah, yes,
7: yes. So uh, knowing her cool. since, you know, since my freshman year of high school. And so when season ended and my wife was pregnant, and I just kind of explained to her, like, hey, we're looking to get closer uh, to some family, looking to make some family decisions. You know, she was she was honest. She's like, hate to see you go, but completely understand it. Uh, And uh, from my time at Claremont McKenna, I knew I wanted to be at a high academic institution. Uh, And so when I saw Vassar open up, it put us closer uh, to my wife's family. uh, And it was a high academic D3. I knew this was an opportunity I couldn't pass up.
0: I was going to say, you got that D3 in your roots, though you are a Long Beach grad. By the way, did you play at Cal State?
7: I did not. I've been coaching. I started coaching high school basketball when I was 20. Wow. uh, so I've been, yeah, I've been coaching now. So that gives me 17 years coaching.
0: So, I mean, you've, you've coached high school basketball, you've coached college, you've coached D3 and D1 as an assistant coach. Now your first full program in the college ranks, as you, as you mentioned, you've coached before as a head coach. And and I realize Pepperdine is a bit like Vassar in the term of there's academic side of this, but when we look at it from a D3 perspective, we look at the Ivy and, and the and the uh, Patriot League especially is kind of a symbiotic relationship in that sense. But I had to I have to figure coming out of Pepperdine and even coming out of the Skyak, you had an appreciation for what Vassar brings to the table in terms of the academic side of things.
7: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, both Pepperdine and especially my time at the Claremont Colleges, really, I I knew what I was getting into. I knew the type of athlete uh, that we were getting, uh, that we would be getting, the type of athlete we'd be recruiting. And that's one of the things that really excited me about coming to work at a place uh, like Vassar, where the athletes are already so driven uh, on themselves. just to to be successful to give everything they have uh, and just already come with a certain kind of drive uh built in and it's uh, and so I knew I knew what I was getting into and I that was one of the things that excited me about it
0: the weather's different
7: just just a I, tad. just
0: I don't know if you got that memo <laughs> but it <laughs> ain't 70 all year long or warmer now there's less fires but there's more cold. How have you adjusted, sir? You know,
7: I'm I'm gonna be honest. I was I was expecting my adjustment to be a little bit longer, uh, but I've I've actually enjoyed my time. I've actually get to experience some seasons. It was my first fall right, ever. Right. Right. Like, oh, the leaves do actually change colors. This is this is this is interesting. All right. Uh, and so, but no, I've to be honest with you, I've I've completely enjoyed it. I've I've I thought the adjustment was gonna be a little bit more of a shock. But it, uh, you know, that first time I was shoveling some snow off my driveway, I was like, okay, this is this is new. Uh, but lift with your but, knees,
0: sir. If they haven't told yeah. you, lift with your knees.
7: Absolutely.
0: Hey, well, listen, it's a fun to catch up with you. Uh, I know the second I saw you hired, I thought to myself, well, I got to get them on someday because I got to figure out how the hell you go from Pepperdine to, P- to Poughkeepsie. Second of all, any friend of Kristen Dowling is a friend of ours. We love her to death even Absolutely. though she's dead to us for going to D1. We, we have a policy. <laughs> Anyone who goes to D1, they're dead to us. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we love her to death. And and so we wanted to get you on. But the fact that you're having success with the program right out of the gate, not only shows you the talent Vassar's had there, obviously Absolutely. in place, um, but it shows how, how successful you were going to be as a head coach and and just how terrific that is. So congratulations, to say the least. Uh, we have a tradition on the show. don't know if anybody prepped you for this, but we always give the final word to the coach. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in?
7: Final word about basketball. Anything I- you
0: want. We 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 have found that in this show's tradition, we would always go to wrap things up and we get there. Oh, wait, wait. I want one more thing to say. So we just became a tradition. We went, final words yours. Whatever you want to say to any of those who may be tuned in.
7: Oh, I to be honest with you, just just what a what an absolute blessing it is to, to be at Vassar and how lucky I am to coach the young women that I'm coaching. It's it's been an absolute joy.
0: Awesome. Well said. By the way, it looks like you got Hogwarts behind you for anybody who's a Harry Potter fan. I know it's not perfect, but it has an eerie similar.
7: This is our library. This is, I told you, this is some of the gorgeousness you get.
0: Listen, I've always known Vassar's got a pretty campus, but you're selling it hardcore today, and I applaud you on those efforts, to say the least. Uh, If it doesn't get you some recruits, then, then we just don't have recruits watching the show, and that's okay. It is what it is. Hey, thanks for the time, Anthony. Tremendously uh, great start to everything. And we wish you nothing but the best. Good luck. And we'll look forward to keeping track of the brewers as we move forward.
7: All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one.
0: Absolutely. Anthony Mason, join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, Vassar Brewers. One of those things I don't think comes up often is what is Vassar's nickname for whatever reason. It doesn't really come up that much. Uh, Good to chat with him. Fun to chat with him. We'll take a break. When we come back, we talk men's top 25 with a supersized crew because we got a supersized show on Valentine's Day. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3 Hoops from the NABC studios. Back with more after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the
9: pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports.
11: It's on us, it's on all of us, and it's
7: time to act now.
5: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual
1: assault. You can make a difference.
0: Welcome back to Hoops Hill, everybody, as we roll along on a supersized edition of the show. Got about 30 minutes left, and we got plenty to talk about because the new top 25 is out. Uh, I wouldn't say there's some things that were absolutely not surprising whatsoever in the new top 25. And then there was a whole hell of a lot of losses in the top 25 on the men's side. Um, when I double checked, let's see, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 losses in the men's top 25 in comparison on the women's side, just in case you're keeping track at home five small difference made for an interesting top 25 conversation. The only thing that was easy was to say, well, the top 20, the number one team in the country is Randolph-Macon. Uh, they retained all 25 place first-place votes, which means some team in the top 25 all season outside of the preseason has been a unanimous top 25 team. So congratulations to RMC for that. We mentioned who had moved where and where and how and when. Wesleyan jumped up to 13. That was a big one. And receiving votes category, it's pretty interesting in terms of a wide range there. So we figured supersized show. We might as well go supersized top 25 conversation to continue that along. And so joining us on the Blue Frame Tech Talk Ugh, try that one again no i barely drank this i promise you join us on the blue frame technology hoopsaw hotline it is a supersized edition of our top 25 panel first off we'll introduce the uh the uh, usual guest, mike Rainiac, who if you're watching on the screen is down below me uh, on the uh, hollywood squares he is uh he's been on the last couple of editions of this of course bob quillman uh, to let's see show left uh, he's back after we moved to the afternoons. Bob actually works during the day. And, uh, I do. We, well, we couldn't get him on.
14: I'd so like to we, wish you guys a happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Very nice. Just a bunch of dudes talking basketball Exactly, on right? Day. We couldn't have done this Eagles, better on Valentine's Day. Good to be here.
0: Off to, kisses, my, Bob. off to my right, brand new to the show, though he's been lurking and we've been trying to get him in on a few occasions. It's Akiva Popper's from Yeshiva does a ton of homework and we welcome him. He's uh, a top 25 voter. He has outed himself accordingly, by the way. By the way, nobody on this show, if they're on a top 25, does not out themselves. We do not out them for them. Uh, And then Ryan Winnable has joined us. Finally, it's been a while. We finally got Ryan on the show. Uh, And Ryan, my Valentine's Day gift to you, sir, was to get Marietta on the show. I figured if I couldn't get one, I'd get the other. And worst case, I'd get both. And I got both.
11: And now you're
0: getting a double dose. I am double dose and I'm loving all of it. Hey guys, first and foremost, I want to get quick reactions on just not only just the past week, but really the past two weeks. Listen, it's not that surprising that we usually get turnover. We usually are talking every year, especially in the last few years about men's basketball being deep in parity, and conference tournaments and conference regular season games are going to take out top teams. And you're going to take losses, but I felt like we kind of got into a good space there for a while where we only had a handful of losses during the season. And all of a sudden, bam, 19 in just the past week. And it's like, oh, for crying out loud. Uh, Bob, I'll start with you. You've been doing this as long as I have. This this has been pretty, pretty interesting last week or two.
14: It's been fun and a lot of upsets. When you look at, yeah. you know, like Platteville losing two games, you didn't expect them to lose either one of those games. Uh, What's going on at Wash U with Jack Nolan out and, you know, just some of the other things that have been a little bit unexpected. Some of the losses by Williams. um, Of course, they had some guys out. So upsets. It's been fun. Some of the conferences are getting very much sorted out right now. But, you know, look, this is the best time of the year as we can feel Selection Sunday coming. And it's it's been a great stretch.
0: Yeah, I'm having a well, nervous tick starting to develop as I realize Selection Sunday is a couple of weeks away. Uh, Ryan, you've been certainly voting quite a bit in this. I, I think the most surprising thing, and I talked with John Vanderwall earlier today, it's the fact that teams like Marietta are coming out unscathed, actually.
11: Yeah, you know, I, I look down in the bottom right-hand corner of my, my laptop here, and it's, it's February 14th. It, it's mid-February. Teams are going through the second runs through their conferences, and as we've said, you know, teams in conference know – the top teams better than anyone else. You said it tonight in, in your interview. So, you know, we, I feel like we see this every year on that second go around through conferences, teams start to take some losses that that, that we maybe don't expect on paper. Um, but, but they happen as, as, as teams, you know, play those tough games here late in the, late in the year.
0: Uh, Raniac, uh, I did get a little bit of a smirk. I hope you don't mind that Oswego took its first loss to New Pulse. Uh, your, your former school that you, you ran the show for. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it speaks to what we just said. Everybody knows everybody, you know, that very well being oh, a yeah. head coach. I, I think now, like
15: with, um, like, like Ryan said, like even marginal teams, they're now every team is getting better, especially in February. Cause now you're starting to see the playoffs. A lot of conferences are allowing everybody in this year, Um, so like, there's still a lot of hope and a lot of teams are now starting to get back, you know, like Tufts in particular, like the kid Rogers is back. So now they're just rolling. Um, so I think they're starting to, you know, teams that have been affected by COVID are starting to kind of get everybody back, hopefully for the most part. Um, and even the marginal teams are getting better because now, like you said, you're seeing teams second go round. You know, the game plan. Um, I think teams are starting to get really exposed, you know, and, and you guys know, like once you take that first L, then everybody thinks that they know the game plan. So they're going to keep trying to do that game plan over and over again. And, and I think we're starting to see this here. Uh, but last week in particular was just absolutely bonkers from uh, uh, just the ranked team versus unranked loss perspective is it it pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I certainly agree with you. It, it Bonkers is the right word, especially with some of the losses we saw. Akiva, on the other side of that coin, yes, conference mates know you the best. Your your squad, Yeshiva, certainly is known well in the conference. But the one thing they could least afford to do if they wanted any kind of bubble, as it were, any support, was to lose in conference. They now hit it twice, and you you get the perspective of a team now that might be pressing a bit.
13: Well, I, I think that's accurate. I think worse than the pool C situation is the fact that Yeshiva isn't even the one seed in the Skyline Conference anymore because of tiebreakers. Um, but that, that's how it goes sometimes. You know, have a 19 and 3 team being down on tiebreakers to a 16 and 7 team. Um, but the Macs obviously are trying to turn it around. So we'll see how that goes. You're obviously a little bit newer
0: to the voting and all that, but you've been around for a few years. You certainly know what parity looks like. Are you, are you surprised we're at this and seeing all the losses? Or are you kind of enjoying it?
13: Well, it's always fun to see some upsets. I'm not surprised. Um, I think it's just a general aspect of the COVID waiver, especially this season. Um, it seems at the top of our ballots, we have a few teams. Everyone's comfortable with Randolph making. Everyone's comfortable with Marietta right now. But that doesn't mean that the teams who are between 3 and 25 are per se, or between 5 and 25, whatever it is, are, we're not comfortable with. It's just that there are so many good teams. It's so deep. Even I, I would not be shocked to see a top team like Randolph making go down, too, just because the teams are, are, are deep and because teams which didn't play last year are really getting better over the course season. So, yeah, this past week, a lot of upsets, obviously, but it's not super surprising to see.
0: I'll be honest. I kind of said it with Marietta interview with John. Uh, I think to your point about Randolph-Macon, I'm more surprised that they and Marietta have come out so far unscathed for the most part, not perfectly, but for the most part unscathed at this point in the season. And yes, they could certainly take a loss at any point. All right, let's dive in. So we have three topics, the deep dive, dubious and debatable. I asked each gentleman to come up with a team that is uh, a team on the deep dive, which is either not getting votes, barely getting votes, um, or one that they're considering maybe they're not even voting for. Dubious is one they think might be too high in the top 25, and they give their arguments. Of course, when they were firing them all back at me, I kind of saw names that we've seen before. It's kind of the crux for this at this point in the season. It's a great idea when we start, and by this point, we're starting to repeat ourselves a little bit. But it's nice to get different perspectives on that. So, Bob, we'll start with you. We'll start on Deep Dive. I'm curious where you are on the Deep Dive team. The one you sent me I was really intrigued by because they're on my radar too.
14: Yeah, I'm going to go Pacific Lutheran, and, and I, I probably should have voted for them this time. In fact, I, in doing a little research just for this segment, I started thinking, man, I really screwed up not voting for those guys. So they're 17 and six. They're 12 and two in the NWC, which is a really strong league. Um, they've won seven in a row, including beating Whitworth by 16 points. They don't have a bad loss all year. So check out these six losses they have uh, Claremont Mud Scripps, NAI Warner Pacific. Maryville of Tennessee, number 14, Mary Harden Baylor, number nine, Whitworth in Linfield. They have no bad losses. In fact, two of their losses, the ones in the um, in Las Vegas that you would have been there for, Dave, they played without uh, their best player, two. Seth Hall. In the Maryville and Mary Harden Baylor losses, they played without a guy that averages 21 points a game, seven rebounds, three assists. I always try to have the leader of the NWC in the, in my top 25 ballot. And, and right now, Pacific Lutheran is in the driver's seat um, schedule wise, standings wise. So I believe that's a team that I got to get in there next week.
0: No, I think you got an argument. I listen, uh, they were actually missing two of their starters in those two games. And I came out of that saying they may have gone 0 two, but I think they're going to be the class of that conference unless Whitworth is just much better than I thought. I thought they were going to be a very good team. I think it took a little longer for me to see it develop in that conference, but no, they I thought they were a really good team, really good defensively too, um, with that unit. And I didn't even see again, two of their top players, as you mentioned, um, Ryan, who's your deep dive team. Yeah. Deep,
11: dive this week, I'm going to go Richard Stockton. Um, so the Ospreys, oh, they're they're just team Stockton,
0: I- just for the record,
11: Stockton, uh, <laughs> so the, yeah, yeah, the Ospreys, uh, they're a team that I've, I've debated now for, uh, Different points in the season, you know, yeah. moving into the top 25, several weeks I've held off. I've just been sort of keeping my eye on them in that pile of, of 10 to 20 teams that we all have where we debate, you know, for those final 20 to 25 spots in the poll, 20 and four record in a good, but but not an elite NJAC conference. They had an early loss in November uh, to a good Rochester team. They've lost three games uh, in conference so far to, to Keene, um, New Jersey City, and, and I believe College of New Jersey um, was the other one. But they do have the season sweep over the other outstanding team in that conference, Rowan. Um, so so I don't have them yet in my ballot. They were kind of the last couple of teams I left out this week. But it's certainly a team I'm keeping my eye on as we head into the final weeks here. And it's certainly one I'm watching if they can get the automatic bid there um, out of New Jersey.
0: I'd have to check. I think i had stocked it in my top 25 uh, um, back in the beginning of January, maybe late December. But I agree. Good take on that. Uh, Mike, who's your deep dive squad from your perspective
15: I'm gonna, yeah i'm gonna go with tufts um like i know so you're jumping on the ryan
0: uh, scott bandwagon now it's
14: not a totally bandwagon. it's not it's totally. not a him and I, bandwagon guys
0: him and i are, are huge bandwagon guys so we're, we're together <laughs> i um, joke i know they're having a good year i just ryan jumped yeah. on him way early i i just couldn't
15: jump on them um you know, as as early, especially I wanted to see how, you know, Rodgers coming back, you know, when they, they're a completely different team without Rodgers. Um, obviously he's a big, especially at this level, to have that skilled of a big. I mean, literally since they came back, since he came back, they won 11 out of 13. Um, you know, they lost to Wesleyan by one, which I think, is arguably the the best team in in, in the conference, but I, I think also like Williams and Tufts, like I think Tufts in particular is now you know really they locked up the two seed in the NESCAC tournament. I think they're playing really well. They've gotten comfortable with um, a first year coach and Brandon Linton over there. So I think he's started to kind of figure out exactly how NESCAC, and he's a great coach. So I think they're really rolling. I think that we're gonna see. I should have put them in this week, you know, kind of looking at it, you know, I have there kind of like, I was like, Bob, like I, I looked at Pat, Lou as, as well. And I was like, man, I should have put them in too, you know, but there's only so many spots. And, and I think like, you know, just with them, I, I'm going to be, they're going to be who I believe uh, I, I think comes out of the NESCAC with the AQ. I think they're playing that hot and that well. Um, and, and they're they just really started to really just gain
0: steam here. No, oh, it's a good, good pick. I, 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 had to wait a bit of time, but Ryan certainly
13: was ahead of the curve on that one. Akiba, who, who would your pick be? Yeah, I mean, first, just to add to the toughest point, they're getting a lot of production from guys other than Rodgers recently, too. Um, True. And they're on my radar. My deep dive is St. John's, Minnesota. I think we've kind of forgotten about these Mayak teams. I think Augsburg got in a little bit because they beat St. John's, and then they lost the game, and then they lost to St. John's. Um, I think they're getting 10 total votes. Uh, But they're really, really good defensively, and they're balanced, and they're getting better over the course of the year, and that's pretty much what I'm looking for in the bottom of the top 25 team. Um, I think they held Hamline to 35 points a few games ago. Obviously, they got revenge on Augsburg. Um, They lost those two games earlier in the year, and I think people kind of wrote them off. They lost to Oshkosh by 34 and then Dope by 4. They're just a completely different team right now. And they're, and they're starting to coalesce really well on the defensive side of the ball, so I put them at 22.
0: Yeah, I just put them in my poll. I think I've uh, got it somewhere around here. Uh, oh, I'm ahead of your max. <laughs> I have them at 21. Um, keep any thoughts on the, any of the guy, other guys' picks?
13: Good question. You don't have to. T- I'm just T- throwing Tufts it out there. The one, Tufts is the one that I'm, that I'm eyeing the most right now. I mean, Pacific Lutheran. I was very impressed by how they played without Hall in in Vegas, on the defensive side of the ball particularly. Um, I thought that was better than how they played generally over the course of the year, kind of like they stepped up without Hall in there. Probably. true. Um, they're they're kind of on my radar, but I don't have a, a hard set rule like Bob does that he's got to have a, a Northwest Conference team in there. So. <laughs>
0: So it's they're not, not black there. and
14: white. It's just, a, it's a guideline. That's all. Akiva. <laughs> there's 42
0: <laughs> conferences. He's not going to fit them all into his top 25. That's true. Hey, Mike, um, g- Mike, real quick. Any thought on the other guys' selections?
15: I think pack Pat Lutheran. That's, that's an interesting one. Like, obviously like, you know, they're, they're good. I, I think they should be ranked. What's interesting about them is they, they have they're average three more turnovers than their than their opponents, but yet they have three more assists. So like and and they shoot, they shoot um, you know, relatively average. Yeah. So like it's kind of like stats don't tell you level. You know, so like it's kind of like I think that's why they're not like head and tails, like hey, they should be ranked, um, because those numbers should be better. But I think also that's also why, you know, maybe they're they're kind of on the fringe. So if they start solving that as they kind of roll through, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked with them making a run, you know. Granted, the NCAA doesn't send them like a cross country or wherever they're gonna send them. Um, but who knows there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Ryan, any thoughts on these guys' choices?
11: Guys, I'll be honest. For me, the hang up on Tufts is is the is the record 13 and nine. Um I just think, you know, when we're looking at the back half of the poll, I'm looking at, at some teams that, that maybe don't have the, the strength of schedule or, or whatnot, but at someone like a Chapman or, or someone like a, you know, a Barry that, that's only lost a couple of times at this point in the year. And then on, on Pacific Lutheran, you know, we look at different metrics. Massey is, is kind of something I use as a, as a ballpark. Bob was absolutely right. All five of their losses are quality losses to good teams but they've got one win against the top 100 team in the Massey computers and that's Whitworth. Yeah. Um, and when it came down for me to those last couple of teams, I just wanted an extra, you know, quality or elite level win from, from Pacific Lutheran to put them in.
0: Fair. Bob, your, your, your final thoughts.
14: Uh, Stockton love Stockton. Um, I know these are completely different uh, criteria, but in, in their NCAA resume Stockton is is eight thirty three winning percentage five forty three SOS and eight and one RRO. I've got them. I did a top sixteen earlier. I have Stockton as number seven ahead of St. Joe, Connecticut, Emory, WPI. Again, I know that that's apples and oranges, but Stockton has a really legit resume, and I thought that that was a uh, a really good one.
0: No, no, you you raised metrics that certainly are can can be part of that conversation but also help us understand when we come two month, two weeks from now when we're looking at brackets where we might see teams like a stockton who may not be getting top 25 but may get a lot of love in the ncaa for sure i told these guys i was going to take a break i'm just going to keep things rolling we're going to jump into the dubious side of things um i'm not going to force the newbies to always lead off with these things so we're going to jump with rainiac since he's no longer a newbie uh sir only because I also saw your email and I'm just going to sit back and figure out which one you're going to pick and enjoy this moment. Who's your dubious okay. pick, sir? I'm going to go with Johns Hopkins. Oh, you ducked. Okay, go ahead. I ducked. <laughs> I, I ducked. ducked. And then I will also... For the I'll record, he had another one that was much more uh, much more interesting in terms of reaction, but I'm not going to out him, but go ahead. Johns yeah. Hopkins, go ahead, sir.
15: I'll out myself. It's okay. The other one I was debating was Marietta. I'll that out was
14: going to be awesome, man. <laughs> And,
15: and uh, so I can go with either, but um, you know Johns Hopkins, obviously a solid team. They they're led by the kid uh, Delaney, and obviously he's a heck of an athlete and and on all fronts. Lax field, but you know even you know whatever uh, Tidley he's awesome. <laughs> um, but with them, they in, they've lost to now Swarthmore twice. They've lost to Christopher Newport. And then, if you're looking at the whole resume, there's not a win there that, to me, is like, holy smokes, this is the Johns Hopkins. Now, that's not saying that they're not good or anything like that, because I think the Centennials a tough conference. But you know, to be honest, the Centennials lately, the last couple of years, has been a two horse race: Swarthmore and Johns Hopkins. And to, to be the dude, you got to beat the dude, and they haven't beaten the dude. They haven't beaten Swarthmore, um, and I think. To have them like, you know, be twelfth. Nah, I don't know. Do I think that they should be ranked? Yeah. I, I think that I think they're a quality enough team. And I think but if you see if you look into the box scores, you know, and I do this kind of nerding out as a coach, but you know, Delaney will always get his when the when the back half, when the roster of, of Corey and, and uh, the second guy that's averaging 10 points when they don't, when they're struggling, they lose and it's, and it's, or they're in a tight one. And so like for them to make a deep run, like those three guys got to show up every night. It, it can't, because they've proven like when Delaney shows up and the others don't, well, then they're going to lose. They don't have enough. So like, it's a full team effort from them. Um, I'm anxious. You know, like, you know, the old coaching adage, it's tough to beat a team three times. So, like, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, Swarthmore and Johns Hopkins will see each other in the in the centennial playoff and then Johns Hopkins will, will win. But, like, uh, I think right now, I think they're a little bit higher than uh, ranked higher than, than where they should be.
0: Yeah, they jumped from 19th to 12th. We should point out I've got them 21st. I misspoke St. John's. I've got 22nd. Um, I, I agree with you. It, they jumped out at me sitting at 12 as maybe being a little too high. I still think they should be top 25 ranked, but again, too high, uh, Kiva, I'll jump with you. What, who's your dubious pick?
13: Barry hard in Baylor, um, half because they jumped from 16 to nine on a three win week when I didn't think they were super impressive in any of those three games. And also because I don't think they're the ninth best team in the country. Uh, obviously they're crazy talented. I very strong argument. They're top 10 talent in the country. Uh, I do not like them whatsoever on the def- defensive side of the ball. I think there's more to them than we could see and have been seeing so far. And we're kind of relying on these close games against Laterno and Harden Simmons, close win, close loss. And they're not sh- playing as well as I would like them to see in a lot of these games against inferior opponents. And I, Definitely have no clue why they're number nine over when they were sixteen last week. No, I, I guess because they won their games. Um, so you got the the big win against Letourneau, but I'm not a big win sort of guy.
0: No, it, it was they, the they,
15: slaughter they... of last week. Everybody, right? Everybody lost. Everybody lost.
0: Everybody else kind of floats up a little bit. I'm trying to figure out where I put them. I didn't. I floated them up a bit, but they didn't float up that high. And um, of course, one of them was a buzzer beater with Johnson. Johnson's not even a hundred percent. Um, so yeah, no, that was a little surprising to me as well. Uh, Bob, who's your pick?
14: Um, you know, first uh, let me just say on, on Mary Harden Baylor is I was, I was in the same place. I was a little skeptical. Uh, I, I drove across town here to watch them play in person last week and I came away really sold on them. I'll just say that they're crazy athletic. Yes. With, with Josiah Johnson and Ty Prince in the kind of plays the three, four, and they have a Another wing player who's just a great athlete, Um, good little point guard. Uh, I'm a believer in them, and I I think they just floated up because they survived last week. Um, My pick here isn't a team that I think doesn't deserve to be where they are, but um, I'll explain. I have lacrosse. I changed my mind at the last minute because I originally had Williams, and I started looking at it, and I was like, I don't have a big case against Williams where they are. Here's here's the thing with lacrosse is all I'm going to say. I don't like that they have their 0-4 against Platteville and Oshkosh. You know, in a great league, you're you're usually going to go and lose on the road to the top two. So like Illinois Wesleyan has lost at Wheaton and Elmhurst, happens every year, it's how it goes. But you got to win your home games. If, if you're a top 10 team, you got to beat Plattenville at home. And they've proven to be not the powerhouse we thought they were. And you got to beat Oshkosh at home. And I know that Oshkosh is a top 10. Two or three team. I understand that. Um, I think lacrosse is great. I think top 10 is is fair, but maybe at seven, I'm even looking at where I have them. And I just don't love that they haven't found a way to win home games against the other two best teams in the conference. Now, albeit, albeit they have beaten everyone else in the Wyack. They've survived Whitewater and Stout and River Falls and whoever else. But uh I think you got to win some of those games at home. Right. So that's just why I'm going to throw out lacrosse today for my dubious.
0: Well, to your point, I had an interesting moment. I went to move Platteville down and I thought to myself, well, I'll, I'll keep lacrosse at of them. And I went, wait, hold on. They went 0-2 against Platteville. Yeah. And yeah, they won this week and Platteville didn't. But to your point about Oshkosh as well, they haven't won that either. So we were talking earlier this year about uh, teams kind of bracketed with each other, that, that one kind of dictates the other, even if the other had a better week. And I got in that position. I moved lacrosse down with Platteville and kept them behind Platteville strictly on the fact that they didn't get past Platteville and they didn't get past Oshkosh. They had four chances at, at the two of them. And so I've got them in my top 10 at the bottom of it, but I still am behind Platteville. So you, to your point, yeah, I, I can't float them any higher because I don't. they didn't get the wins over teams. I, I need them to kind of get wins on to, to move in those spots. They don't get it just because they won a game this week. It's a little backwards because they... Again, had a better week than Plattville, but they hadn't beaten Plattville when given the opportunity.
14: And their resume, you know, they've done a great job of, they've played, they've played a really good schedule. And if you look at their, like their criteria, their SOS is through the roof and stuff. What what they've done a great job. Like it's almost as if they scheduled with a crystal ball because they beat Augsburg. What a perfect team to schedule. They beat Wartburg. What a perfect team to schedule. Um, there's not really a non-conference win that just jumps out at you. True. Like, wow, they've got that one. Um, so great team, very talented. I'm just wondering if, you know, they've, they've just floated up there because the WIAC is the WIAC, and they've had a great season. But, uh, yeah, it's worth keeping an eye on, at least.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, Kent Durnbach's done a great job there, uh, great hire there by lacrosse to bring Kent in. He left at the right time as well. Uh, it, it's all worked out for lacrosse, but I, I agree with your points. Ryan, uh, who's your uh, your uh, dubious team? We just got done talking about
11: them. I'm going to go UW-Platteville. Um, and again, as, as Bob said, certainly when you use the word dubious here, it's, it's not that I don't believe Platteville is, is a dangerous team or a top 10 or top 15 team, but I think there has to be concern here as, as the Pioneers have lost four of their last seven. Um, quite frankly, they, they weren't really close in either game against Oshkosh, home, or away. And then this past week uh, they lost to River Falls and they lost to Whitewater. Um, and I think, you know, even in that strong Wyatt conference, I feel like there's maybe some, co- some, some, some cause for concern here. Um, we talk all the time about basketball season being a journey of peaks and valleys and, and every coach is trying to hit that peak, you know, come this time of year, late February into March. And I think I'm just maybe a little concerned that Platteville is, is not hitting their best stride here down the stretch. And, and, could they be in for a surprise, you know, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament?
0: No, I, I, I agree. I've I'm, I'm kind of gotten a little concerned about Platteville as good as they are.
14: If you look at those losses, that's a great point. It's like they lost at home to Oshkosh. Okay. But, um, they, they lost to Whitewater at home. Right. And then they, they lost at river falls. And, and look, I understand in a Great conference. You go on a road, road games are nasty, but, you can't lose both of those games, the home game against Whitewater and the game um, at River Falls. Um, I was thinking about that this morning when I was looking back over my ballot. I'm like, I kind of gave Platville a free pass just because there was so much carnage. I got to that spot on my ballot and I had to put somebody where I put them. Um, I, I'm right with Ryan. Like I, I didn't think I'd be saying this two weeks ago but something's up with Platteville and they don't look like the team that was rolling over everybody there for a long time.
15: The river falls loss. You know, I watched some of that game. That's, that's, that's the one that they just look completely out of sync for whatever it was, you know, and, and kudos to river falls. Like I thought they had a great game plan kind of going into it, but like, I'm, I'm a Ryan, like right now they, they're, it's almost like they forgot their identity um, they started doing some weird things offensively. Um, defensively, they weren't as crisp at all. Um, but I, I think, you know, credit to River Falls, but I, I think they've started, the, the league is now starting to kind of figure it out. And I think now that they're going to the blueprint and now, you know, as a team, and if you're going through that, you're starting to now question kind of what's going on. And because like, it's it's very rare, especially for a team like Platteville to have that skid right now.
14: Uh-huh. My, my disclaimer on this, and Ryan will agree with me, is as a fan of a Midwest region team. Like I don't, I don't want Platteville in my bracket, and I don't <laughs> want Lacrosse in my black bracket. So none of these dubious teams that I've just been talking about, I do not want to see them in the NCAA tournament. I just want to throw Absolutely. that out there.
0: Fair yeah. point. Absolutely. Uh, real quick on Platteville, I go. I'm a kind of a guy on trends. They've lost two in a row, three of four, four of seven. All since January 19th. I, I even feel like I gave him a free pass, Bob. I, I've got him still in my top 10, only because there's teams behind him I'm not convinced they would necessarily lose against, but something's off. Like, you're, you're right. Something's amiss, and maybe I gave him a free pass this next week or two is going to certainly be interesting. Um,
13: Kiva, before, before we jump to
0: the other topic, any final thoughts on, on the dubious? That yeah, the I, have thought,
13: about? I have thoughts on both Plaidville and lacrosse. Uh, first with Plaidville, because that's what we've been talking about what i've seen in the last several games is not using their talent to their full capacity i I personally think that they're top three talents in the country no question about it i mean they're bigs no one has that those, those sort of talented bigs in the country what their issue has been is that they've just been playing guard heavy they haven't been doing the simple things from an execution standpoint that they did earlier in the year um I was texting with Ryan Scott during the during, I believe, the second Oshkosh game. And he was like, this team is going to lose in the second round. And I said, yeah, that if they keep playing the way they're playing, they are going to get upset. Um, the talent is there to win a national championship, but the execution has been completely lacking offensively on the cross, I think I'm the highest on them. Definitely in this room, maybe for all the voters. I have them at four um, on my ballot. I think they're dead even with Oshkosh from a head-to-head matchup perspective. I think platform matches up well with them. Um, if you look at the two games against Oshkosh, and also I'll throw in the game against Oshkosh they played last year, which kind of doesn't count, but I'll throw it in there anyways. They've played them really, I think each all three of those games were three-point games. Okay. If you look at the first game against Oshkosh, lacrosse shot 0 for 15 from three. you look at the second game against Oshkosh, Oshkosh had a tremendous shooting game from three. Um, I, they're obviously very talented, it's not, a, it's not a surprise to me that they haven't lost to any other WIAC teams. Um, I think that we kind of take that for granted. I mean, you look at Oshkosh, they obviously have all these great wins, but they also have these losses to these lower, lower class, if you want to call them. The, the number 40-so-in-the-country WIAC teams, the Eau Claire's, uh, you know, the Stout's, the Whitewaters, um, with lacrosse, the road win, the wins that they had earlier in the year against the Wartburgs, the Augsburgs, the Rippen, were all on the road. That was super impressive early in the year. Agree. And I, I'm not a big, again, I said this before, I'm not a, a guy who says, oh, you have to have the big wins or else I'm not going to put you high on my ballot. I think they're right there with Oshkosh from a head-to-head matchup perspective, so I have them at four. I, they've been quite impressive in their games just because they haven't won doesn't mean they're not top five.
0: Good stuff. Uh, let's move on to debatable. Uh, this one's a little tough. I don't know if we got five. Or four topics to necessarily debate. Um, um it's certainly interesting. We could certainly go that way. Um, Bob, I'll let you lead this one off. Do you want to pick uh either one of the debatables that you had or one of the guy one of the guys had? Or well, yeah, I'll leave I'll it throw, up to you, sir.
14: I'll throw mine out there. And this one's interesting because uh I don't know how long I've been voting in the poll, but today for the first time I I turned in my ballot yet last night, and then today I reached out to Pat Coleman to say, can I change my ballot? Because I dropped WashU out after they lost two games over the weekend and watching Jack Nolan in a boot and thinking that he might be done. And they I don't believe they're a top 25 team right now. I know they're not. So I dropped them out, but then I kind of had this like, well, but I don't know that they deserve that quite yet. Their resume is still top 25, and I don't know if Jack Nolan's done. So I, I would just say this is I don't know. The, the debate is, is WashU a top 25 team or not? If, if Jack Nolan is, uh, is he going to come back? I've heard that he's trying to come back. He has a partial tear in his plantar fascia. And I mean, that's a nasty injury. That's like a six or seven week thing. And he's only two weeks into it. He's in that boot. He's off the scooter. Someone told me, hey, I heard that Jack Nolan's going to play at NYU Friday. I'm like, how could that be possible? But um, So I'll just throw it out there to you guys. I know you've all watched WashU. I mean, what do you do with them if Jack Nolan misses two more games this week? Do you drop them? Or I guess assuming that they would lose those games, what what do you do with them?
15: The trouble is is they're in a buzzsaw of a conference.
14: Right. There's no easy game.
15: No easy game. Um, I, I think in retro, like looking at the top 25 as a whole, I think they're top 25 team with or without, her. I think they're that good. Um, so I think perspective wise, big picture. Yes. But it, like NYU, like I know the strength of schedule is not the best, um, but that's not an easy place to play. Um, and obviously, you know, you got the conference. So top 25. Yes. Just because of the talent they had around him. I, I think Juckum does a great job recruiting and they, they all got the long, you know, Lanky Frankie guys, kind of all over that do everything like typical Wash U. Um, are they? They're definitely top ten. Obviously, with Jack. Um, no question. I just think now they're they're back towards the bottom. You know, the top twenty five without him. Um, the planner injury, if it truly is a partial, there there is no way he will be in any way, shape, or form as a player i just can't imagine that like that guy must be like wolverine if that's the case like he's got adamantium in his in his in his bones or or whatever like the reference (laughs) but like i I mean i've had players with that and it's just one of those things that it just lingers and lingers and lingers where unfortunately like now you now as a as a washington team do you go in with a 50% Jack Nolan because he's better than what you got and he's going to be better than the other dude at a hundred percent? That's the debate, you know? And I think like top 25, yes, but definitely bottom, bottom top 25. Yeah, I'm
14: not, I'm not there on the top 25. Yes. They are loaded with talent. Don't get me wrong. Like WashU has talent in every class. They were, their recruiting is ridiculous, but they're pretty heavily reliant on Jack Nolan. Now, Charlie Jacob has sort of turned into Jack Nolan temporarily, which, which is pretty incredible. Um, and and their freshman Hayden Doyle is really good, and they have a lot of other guys, but I think it's a stretch to say they're a top 25 team without them. I think they're like 30, 28, 27. I just wouldn't have them quite there, but I guess we'll see soon enough. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna learn as the week goes on.
0: Yeah, I probably gave them a little too much benefit of the doubt, um, but I think you got a point. Uh, it's if they don't have Jack Nolan, I think it changes the equation completely. And we know a lot of teams like that um, around the league, or around the league, around the division. Winnable? Any thoughts on that one?
11: Yeah, you know, one. Of, I think all of our one of our favorite things to do is watch UAA basketball on on Friday nights and Saturday Sunday afternoons. Um, and, and I, I've, I've
14: seen for poppers, quite a bit. He isn't watching anything on Friday night. <laughs> no, he that. doesn't.
13: No poppers is out. Sorry about that. Poppers. I had to get that in, man. I, I get the Sunday afternoon. It's fine. You're hey, missing you
14: great games, man. these <laughs> NWC games on Friday nights. I've been trying to talk him into finding a way it's a go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. No, sorry, I,
11: I, so I, I've watched, i watched you quite a bit the last couple of weeks with, with, with and without Jack Nolan. And, and as I was doing the top 25 this week, I was having the exact same debate you guys were about, you know, I'm going with the assumption that that Nolan is not coming back this year. That may or may not be correct, but that's the assumption I'm working on now is, is WashU is a, a Nolan-less team. And as I'm sliding them down my ballot and I'm getting into that 20 to 25 range, I'm beginning to have a thought process of on a neutral floor, do I think WashU is better than UMass Dartmouth, um, better than some of the other teams, Chapman? And I still think that that even without Jack Nolan, they're probably going to win those types of games so i have them i think 20 21 in my poll this week obviously if they go and lose again this week um i i will absolutely pull them out but i still think they're that they're in that that back
0: part of the the top 25 yeah same same thought process though i may have given them a little too much benefit as i said but that's that's where i was too
13: uh kiva your thought on it yeah, I struggled a lot with this. I have them at 13. I don't feel comfortable about it. But then again, I don't feel comfortable with a lot of teams on my ballot as I don't I don't, I don't think a lot of you guys feel comfortable with a lot of teams on your ballots either. So that's fine. Um, it's it's tricky because I was at a point a few weeks ago on WashU where I said, if this team plays Randolph-Macon, Marietta, Oshkosh, I would take them head to head in all three of those games. I didn't put them in one of my ballot, but I was there on them. I was like, I can really see Washi winning a national championship. And then David went down and it's like, eh, they're not so as good without him. Maybe they're number five without him. And then he came back and then David went out and then Nolan went out. I'm like, this is not good. Um, But what we've seen, and and since David came back, we've seen, A, Charlie Jacob has really improved over the course of the year. And B, with those, they're just so good defensively, even without Nolan. The problem is they can't really score. I, they're better than Rochester. They lost to Rochester, but Rochester had a heck of a shooting game. They're, they're better than Rochester. Um, I, I think right now without Nolan, I'd have him. If I knew 100% Nolan's not coming back, I'd probably put him at around 20. I, just because there's that chance he comes back, and I think with him at 100% healthy, they're a top three team in the country. I have him at 13 but it's, it, I think it fully depends on methodology of voter here as to whether or not you consider a team as they are right now or what their potential is in terms of winning a national championship.
0: Nice, guys. Love it. Hey, we only have time – not that we have time, but we could go forever, but I'm, I'm going to let you guys go. So we're going to do one more debatable. Um, and I kind of went through your list there in the last minute, and I kind of liked winnables because we talked about a couple of the other ones already. One of them, uh, w- Rainiacs. <laughs> that's a quagmire, sir, and, and you brought it up already – so I want to go Ryan's. Ryan's, I want, go ahead and bring up your, your debatable because I think it's an interesting one, especially from your perspective.
11: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to, to, to my home conference in Mount Union. Um, Mount Union is a team for, for quite a while now that's, that's kind of been floating between 10 and 15 in my ballot. And obviously I've gotten to see them quite a few times this year. They had some some wins early on that seemed like they were going to be huge feathers in their resume. They beat Trine, who we all know was preseason top 10 and, and, and hasn't really quite outturned turned out that way for trying this year. They beat Worcester before Thanksgiving, and, and Worcester's not the Worcester that we've come to expect. Um, in conference, they've really run through the league unscathed with the exception of the early home loss to Heidelberg. And then the two games against Marietta home and away, you know, they lose both of those games by 20-plus points. Um, I, I largely left Mount Union where they were last week, which is, is right around that 10, 11, 12 spot, as, as everyone else kind of took some losses too and, and ended up deciding to, to lead them where they were uh, due to that loss coming to a really hot Marietta team, you know, number two. But what do we really know about what they could do in a national tournament setting? Um, they don't appear to be on the same plane as Marietta in their conference. And other than really trying and, and Heidelberg, they don't really have a signature win um, that you would expect out of a team to be sitting around that 10 spot nationally. So I, I wanted to throw this one to you guys and what you guys thought um, on the Purple Raiders.
14: I'm, I'm in the same spot. I, I put them up really high because I didn't know what, where to go with them. You know, like I started looking to drop them and everyone below had, had lost. What's amazing to me is, and I use Massey just kind of as like a, like a check Massey has them seven somehow. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the computer is loving about Mount union because you're right, Ryan, that the games that seemed like big ones early, Trine is not the team that we thought they were in, in Worcester. Marietta's blown out Mount Union two times now, right? Complete blowouts. Heidelberg all of a sudden isn't that team. I'm with you, and I feel like I have them too high. I'll say this is I like Mary Harden Baylor way better than Mount Union. Way better. I, I think Mary Harden Baylor is a much better team than Mount Union. So I'm with you, and I'd have to concede that I think my ballot's messed up because I probably have Mount Union too high.
15: I had them at around 18, um, and largely because they got smacked by Marietta twice. If you're a top-20 team, you don't lose to Marietta. I I don't care how good a team. you got to at least battle. They got rocked. Like tw- I watched that game. Like Marietta was very strong, so I don't know how good they are. Like I mean, they're not going to get. Um, I I think like who do they have le- left? I'm looking at it here. I'm like Muskegon. They're going to win that one. Otterbein. You know, they're they're probably going to win that one. So like, I just don't think they're battle tested. So it's really tough to get a read on them. Um, I I think. If you're playing Marietta, like, it's got to be closer than 20 points if you're a top-20 team in the country. It's got to. You know, and I think, like, you're right, Ryan, like, some of these, the non-conference, you know, scheduling, I think it's solid because if you're going into that, you know, into the season, like, as a a coach, you're kind of, you know, kind of making sure, like, all right, this is going to be a good one for strength to schedule. And some of those teams that they scheduled, like, didn't pan out right now. They just didn't. Um, and so like, I think that's, that's not the coach's fault. Like, I think they did a good job scheduling. It's just right now as a team, I think they're inflated. Their record is inflated because they don't have a really good win out there. Um, they're taking care of business where they should. So like, obviously they should be ranked, but you know, you gotta, you know, make it closer to Marietta for me to get them higher than where, where they, where they are.
13: Akiva, any thoughts? Yeah, Marietta for me, and this kind of gets on to the Mountain Union point, so I'll start with Marietta. Uh, I didn't like them whatsoever at the beginning of the year on the defensive side of the ball, and that's where they've improved a significant amount. But if you look at the first match of Marietta against Mount Union, Marietta was not as good as defensively then as they are now. And Mountain Union completely could not score for a huge stretch. I think, what was it, 20-0 run, something like that, that Marietta went on? Uh, If you can't score against a not great defense, a good defense, but not a great defense, and you're giving up who knows how many points to a great offense, you can't get stops when you need them, then you're definitely not a top-10 team. I have them at 15 just because, yeah, they've taken care of business because they've shown that offensive capability. Um, I think they put up 107 points against Lycoming, who is not a bad team. Um, Average team, but not a bad team. They've got a few of those huge blowout wins, which I think Bob is why they're massierating his way up um but they're not a top 10 team for me right now
0: um i've got them 14 i'll just share tim calderwood's on twitter he's another top 25 voter someone asked him about his spot i think he has them eight he said they they beaten soundly twice by marietta but i think that says more about a good marietta is about how good marietta is than mount union and i'm hardly going to punish a team for a game i feel they should have lost especially when everyone else um pretty much lost as well Uh, he points out that the oac is a Good group at the top, um, and also says after his top five, probably everyone is higher than they should be in general, which is probably another part of that conversation. I just wanted to bring his perspective because, interesting enough, uh, he was talking. Well, about Well, I it think on I
15: think they were going to lose to Marietta, but it's the way that they lost. Fair, like it's yeah. it's the way that they lost. Like yeah. they they look completely, um, just in a different gym. Both times I I had that kind of circled on my calendar to watch, and I felt. Um yeah like I I think yeah Marietta should beat them home and away I think they're that talented and I think uh defensively they they are improving um but the way that they lost I just couldn't yeah. put them high even with the carnage that happened this week and I think like we've talked about it you know all show like how many of these teams are so inflated that I maybe this week we get some normalcy who knows but uh, I, I think, like, that's where, like, we talked about, like, maybe six, seven, eight teams that are higher than where they should just because of what happened this past, you know, week, week and a half.
0: Hey, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this one. Got a question on Twitter about Hope Calvin, the rivalry, uh, re News this week. Wednesday, they uh, face off at DeVos. We're talking men's basketball here, obviously. Uh, both teams that I think have, have certainly uh, gotten better as the season has grown on. Um, any quick thoughts on who might come out with that one and who you think might be the better team? Akiva, I'll put you on the spot first.
13: Calvin's my number 26. So I'll take him. Um, it's, I'm not super comfortable with either one. Um, (laughs) I mean, I think that's a common trend here. Yes, very much. Calvin, uh, Mike, that's a uh, huge game, by the way, from a, from a pool C perspective, that's a huge game.
0: Oh, no, you're right. That's a huge game. Huge game for pool C. Yeah. The
15: second best rivalry in all of Division Three outside of Amherst Williams. The You're biased, second best. Yeah. Um, uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with hope. It's home. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they're they're playing hot. You know, they're their losses to Trine. Trine's pretty, you know, but they they've been really playing overall well. Like you said, they're getting better, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bet uh, the mortgage payment on hope.
0: Oh, geez, sir. Of course, you're in upstate. That's probably not that expensive.
15: Uh no, actually win- I'm I'm still considered downstate for me. So like, you know, that's that's
0: a significant Okay, sum. It's a bump. It's a bump. It's a bump. Winnable. You, it's in your neck of the woods, sir.
11: Yeah. So last week we got to watch Hope and Calvin both go to Trine. Uh and and I was so impressed with how Calvin uh handled Trine on their home floor. That's a such a tough place to play. The yeah. MTI Center. I think Calvin, um, is playing the better basketball right now. I know DeVos is a tough place to play and hope got it already uh, there at Van Nord earlier in this year, but I think Calvin returns the favor
0: and gets the win.
14: Nice Bob, your thoughts. I've watched both these teams more times than I care to admit because I've been chasing regionally ranked opponent wins all season. And my (laughs) Titans have beaten both of these guys fairly easily. I might add for my friend, Scott Curry and, uh, and Matt Snyder, but In all seriousness, I'm responsible for all of Calvin's poll points this week. (laughs) I have him 23. I have him 23 based on the string they're on and how great they looked at trying. I love the Morrison kid. He's an absolute stud. Uh, Uchenna Ikizi is an incredibly athletic 6'3", kind of wing player. And I like Calvin, but the game's at Hope. So I'm just going to say Calvin by like a point. Um, a huge advantage for Hope playing at DeVos. Great crowd, but I'm going to go Calvin finds a way.
16: Yeah.
0: I like all your thoughts, but because it's at home, I'm going to take Hope. It's not an educated guess. It's strictly a, uh, it's strictly, it's strictly a, okay. It's at Hope. I'll take the home team. guess. Uh, poppers. I'm going to forward you an email. I got, uh, got a question about Penn state Harrisburg, but we won't dive into it this time. Guys really appreciate all the time. Thank you so much. Uh, you guys were awesome. Uh, I would say go enjoy the rest of your Valentine's Day with your loved ones, but I have a, a gut feeling they've all given up like I just heard my wife do a few minutes ago. Uh, as always, thanks very much. Look forward to talking to you guys down the
14: road. See you guys. Thanks. Well, thanks
0: everybody. I want to thank Bob Quillman, Ryan uh, Winnable, Mike Raniak, and Akiva Poppers for joining us on the show. Really appreciate their time. Going to wrap things up real quick. Landmark, a reminder, once again, grew up and now a bigger conference. Uh, they are now 10 members of Brought in Football. Uh, they will uh, have six teams in football, and that is a big deal with them. If you caught that at the top of the show, Carsar course, our coverage. Breaking that news last Wednesday before the the conference announced it, it will not be the only moves that take place in uh, conference changes. Uh, stay tuned. There will be more. Uh, regional rankings will have the new set on the men's side on Tuesday, women's set on Wednesday. Uh, these will be actually ranked. We'll actually hear from, see the numbers of these. We have too many ranked, but we'll see them ranked. Uh, and then stay tuned on Thursday. We will talk to both committee chairs after they announce who they are calling the top 16 teams on both sides of the, uh, of, the of the you know top 16 men, top 16 women. Remember by NCA criteria, we had an example of that in that conversation with Richard Stockton there of how good their numbers are. That's an example of that. So we'll talk to those committee members about that. Also, maybe dive into why the non-conference SOS is not what we understood it to be. And it may just be that we all misunderstood it in a general sense. I want to thank all of our guests that appeared on the show today. Um, really fun to chat. And I really appreciate the time that they gave us. Um, it, it <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Just a a fun conversation, to say the least, uh, with everybody. And we got to learn something new about everybody. So I want to thank uh, Jenna Cosgrove from Rhode Island College, John Vanderwall from Marietta, Lance Lance Thornhill from Font James Wallace from Letourneau, Carrie Carollo from Whitewater, and Anthony Mason from Vassar. And, of course, Akiva Poppers, Bob Quillman, Mike Rainiac, and Ryan Winnable for their help. Women's Top 25 did get released while we were talking. Um, Christopher Newport is number one still. Hope moved up to number two from the number three slot. Trine moved up to number four, uh, or Trine fell to number three, I should say. Sorry. Let me try that again. Christopher Newport won. Hope moves up by two points ahead of Trine, though Hope has two first-place votes, so Hope ha- uh, Trine has four. Transylvania now stays in fourth. Simpson stays in fifth. Whitman stayed in sixth. Whitewater stayed in seventh and picked up a first-place vote. Uh, NYU moved up to eighth. Uh, Amherst moved up to ninth. Walden Wallace stayed at tenth. Tufts moved up to 11th. DePaul up to 12th. Carroll fell from eight, John Carroll fell from 8th to 13th. Mary Harden-Baylor, Wisconsin Lutheran, Messiah, and Scranton all stayed the same as the previous week at 14, 15, 16, and 17. Trinity, Texas moved up to 18 from 20. Wartburg moved down from 18 to 19. Smith jumped into the poll, returned in the number 20 spot. St. John Fisher moved up to 21 from 23. East Texas Baptist stayed at 22. Catholic moved up a spot to 23. Uh, Springfield fell three more spots to 24. Harden Simmons uh, is into the top 25 in 25th. Gettysburg and Eau Claire fell out of the top 25. Those are on uh, d3hoops.com. And of course we tweeted them out as well. That's going to wrap us up. We'll be up on Thursday again. Stay tuned. We're going to have some twists with Thursday. We might have to go a little bit longer with the show. We'll figure it all out. But with the bracket or the top 16 announcement from the uh, committee chairs we're going to have to augment the show slightly but we we are scheduled to start at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll have them on the show. Plus, we'll get you some guests. Might have to uh, drop our top 25 debatable uh, We our double take with women's basketball. We apologize, but we'll figure things out. And then we'll be back on the air again next Monday, 7 o'clock Eastern as well. Want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com, uh, Bob Quillman, Ryan Scott, Gordon Mann, the entire staff for their help as always. And, of course, if you want to help, us, awesome. we we have our um, our fundraising efforts at d3hoops.com. Those are d3hoops.com's fundraising. I, I haven't mentioned this publicly, but I'll mention it now on our Twitter page. We actually have a link uh, on our profile to donate to d3 uh, to the Hoops Will Show if you ever want to do that on the side. Um, I also want to thank our partners of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and of course, a big shout out to Blue Frame Technology for their help as well. We are lining up sponsors and guests for our last few shows of the regular season, including Selection Sunday and uh, Matchup Monday. That's what we're hoping for. Um, and if you'd like to be a part of it, please contact us. You can email us, direct message us, whatever you need to do. We'd love to chat with you about being part of our program. Uh, and helping out the show as well. I want to thank the family for, one, being able to do the show. Two, kids put the sign together with the names of the uh, guests on the show as I finally get my – there we go, right there. Put that together in real quick order, too. They did a nice job. Uh, appreciate their efforts. I want to thank all the SIDs, especially at Rhode Island, at Wisconsin Whitewater, at Letourneau. Fontbonne, Vassar, and Marietta for their help in getting us on the air, especially with me traveling this weekend. It was a little bit more difficult. And it turns out I had a bit of a glitch with my email system, so they had to bear with me as I worked my way through that. But I appreciate them all, their help as well. And I'll sign us off. We'll get off the air. We'll be back here on Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Don't forget to follow us at Facebook at facebook.com slash as well. Also want to thank, um, uh, let's see, where else? Uh, Well, if you're watching, YouTube. Ryan Scott mentioned something, and I just noticed it. Apologize, Ryan. said Stockton's regional wins are going to be scrutinized a lot more than the previous years because of how many teams are getting ranked, mostly in confidence, not going to hold up. So he doesn't think Stockton's numbers will hold up. That's an interesting thought. Should have gotten that in the show. But uh, we'll get to that another time. But thank you, Ryan, for that. By the way, Marion Baylor did win tonight, 82-73, against um, Concordia, Texas. So Marion Baylor clinches the regular season title in the American Southwest Conference. And in the meantime, uh, go to Twitter because we just shared a buzzer beater in the uh, NACC where Chicago, uh, Concordia, Chicago are going to play for the NACC title. But as we told you earlier, a lot of teams are trying to play for a share of the NACC title this season. That'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. I thank our partners at the NABC, WBCA, and, of course, Blue Frame Technology as well for their help. Have a great evening, and see you Thursday, and enjoy the rest of the week, everybody.